Yeah. Dude, that yeah. fucking playmat looks ridiculous. Oh my god, dude. That's so oh, good. Thanks. That's thanks just so awesome. I, I mean, I'd rather say that after we fucking do up an intro, but. Yeah, yeah, I okay. That, I'm like, holy shit. Hey guys, you're listening to Leaving a Legacy. You don't yeah. have to scoop to anyone. Right. Right. Even it, your mom, you know, and she's <laughs> gonna pop eight, and you're gonna <laughs> pop her out, man. <laughs> So we're going. <laughs> we moved into the balls deep portion. Of the <laughs> There's some things you just can't buy in Vermont, like, like Mex- Mexican food. You can't buy Mexican. Food. <laughs> I guess maybe that was the intro. It just starts with Evan. That playmat's fucking badass. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be sweet. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I guess there it is. There it is. How's everybody doing then? Hey, I'm good. You. Um, I'm fucking dry as hell, man. I'm covered in concrete dust, and this oh. shit just, like, sucks the oil out. Yeah, yeah, yeah hide, that'll hide, do it. Hiding those bodies again, I hear you. you know. Yeah. <laughs> Cinder well, blocks. If, if you can't get them out, sometimes you just gotta bury them. Yeah, I see, I <laughs> Evictions see. are a bitch in Massachusetts. <laughs> man, another, another story from the life of a slumlord in Worcester. <laughs> oh, I'm not in Worcester. Jerry, Jerry, you haven't even, I mean, Aiden, Aiden, Aiden because, we're doing, we're doing stereotypes here. You gotta, you gotta live up to the, the hyperbole. Oh, well, you can go off the fucking Italian stereotype. Yeah, there you go. What's the stereotype? I don't give a shit. <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, for our listeners at home, we also have a awesome, super special guest today. Uh, the one and only Evan Nyquist. What's up, man? What's up, man? How you doing? Hey, good, good. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, yeah, my pleasure. I appreciate it. Yeah, we got, I know there's a, a lot going on in the gossip realm of magic these days, and uh, emotions are running high, so it was nice. Right. <laughs> Wanted you to get on here and kind of kind of let, yeah. let the world know. The hell does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, man. Well, yeah, so I guess the backstory to that is I was ranting a little bit, you know, a few paragraphs just about MTG Finance. Um yeah. Which is, you know, kind of the hot topic right now. Uh, kind of like overriding a lot of the specifics of what we usually talk about with legacy. Um, Should we thank Medina? <laughs> the I think there's a lot of people to thank. You know, <laughs> uh, I think it's kind of a it, it's spread across many levels. You know, um, but yeah, it has uh, it has become a little overwhelming. I guess definitely um, to the point where there's like yeah. I've probably become oversensitive <laughs> to it at this point just because there's just so much of it. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you're you're so ingrained also in the legacy culture that it's hard not to take things personally, too. Uh, you know, for kind of our listeners who are, you know, newer, uh, you want to refresh everyone uh, how you're in the legacy sphere? Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, I think there's, like, a bunch of guys, I think, in, like, pretty much every community that are really trying to push for legacy, you know, and, like, a, like a large majority of the cities. Um, and I'd say in Atlanta, I do a fair amount of it, uh, definitely with the help of a lot of the other people in the community um, and, you know, Team Tusk. Um, so, yeah, we have, like, uh, Land Eternal Magic Facebook group now, and uh, we do a stream, Tusk Vision, and then we also have a podcast, Tusk Talk. Um, and our group has like, you know, like 220 members or so, and it's like very active, like multiple posts a day. People are, you know, pretty tight. And, uh, we're now, 
I think last time I talked to you guys, we were doing three Legacy Weeklies, and now we're up to four. Nice. Um, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, so then we also have these quarterly events as well now. Um, so we've been pushing for that, and uh, we've actually had a pretty good uh, a pretty good rise in Legacy overall. Um, nice. We just play Legacy in paper twice a week, um, and a lot of people that are super cool, so it's it's pretty... It's a pretty good thing overall, but yeah, I invest a lot of time into like making flyers for for weeklies and uh, for the quarterly tournament. I design like a play mat, you know, for that. It's <laughs> it. fucking awesome. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, so I mean, like, it's you know, I pay for that out of pocket and donate it. So try to help get it going. You know, um, I feel like all the little details really add up. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And you know, this is one of those formats. You know that you know a lot. There's a lot of passion for it. I'm definitely one of those people. I started a long time ago. You know, like uh, I saw Beta and Unlimited. They're pretty much coming out together. And you know, I I played. You know, during you know Revised, I was definitely had a lot, a lot of cards. You know, I had Power fully and tons of Legends, Raven Knights, etc. And you know, kind of like touching base on this whole MTG finance thing was you know kind of moved into you know, the, the Chronicles era, Fallen Empires, 4th Edition, you know, um, kind of like the Dark Age. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, oh, know, I drafted, right, right, I drafted right, 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 Homelands. I drafted Homelands. I know what that was like. <laughs> I mean, the Dark, Dark was, Dark was pretty sweet. Like, it had good, it was still kind of in the flavor vein of like Antiquities, Arabian Nights, and Legends. Mm-hmm. Um, it just was, it was shorter in power. Um, right. I think it had more power than people get credit for. I mean, it gave cool. us Blood Moon, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, and Maze of Ith, which is Tomat's great. Crit. Oh, Maze of Ith is the oh yeah, that's right. Uncle Istvan, <laughs> the best legend. <laughs> no, seriously, yeah, well, and, and it gave me hope to play Merfolk. You know, Merfolk Assassin, yeah. little combo with Warbarge. Sunken City was in the dark. Also. Yeah, Sunken City. Yeah, so there was, and then of course Leviathan was a big uh, trade tool. You know, uh-huh. for those that were savvy back yeah, then. That was with, like the uh, chase, the chase rare, the uh, yeah, the eleven eleven for eleven that made you like sack an island each turn. Right, <laughs> and which was really terrible back then, as much as it's pretty terrible now. But it was very hype, you know. Right. Like, Oh, you have like standard players jumping into certain cards now that are like really good for standard or something that you know just is not going to last. Right. It's, it's not that. It's not that same philosophy, but it's something close. You know. I I, I love talking with Evan because he just flashed me back to when Merfolk of the Pearl Trident was playable. <laughs> yeah, River Merfolk. Yeah. Uh, Alien Knights, Lord the, of Atlantis. Was, there was another one that it was like. Um, what was it Sea Singer? Tap game control. Oh yeah. yeah, that's that's from Homelands. I love Sea Singer. It's like, I think it was before Homelands because that was before. Yeah, sea Singer was Fallen Empires. Uh, yeah, that's, that's what right. It was. Yeah, I just like noticed. Seashell. I just noticed yeah. the other day Thrill Champion was on the reserved list. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thrill list is interesting. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> bringing it bringing it full circle, Adrian. Well, no, thrills, so. thrills, like Thrills and Merfolk were fun back then. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, tribal all the way with Fallen Empires. It was sweet because they like with the Chicago rules of uh, '93-'94, they've now implemented uh, Fallen Empires. You know, okay. the Eternal Central, um, which is you know definitely gaining some traction. Of course, um, probably another thing to touch on with the whole MTG finance explosion going on. But anywho, <laughs> the 
Yeah, like, you know, a lot of those cards are kind of under attack from, like, you know, the MTG Finance, you know, Twitter mob or whatnot. So it's kind of a race right now to get uh, yeah. get your cards in. The cool thing about 93 and 94, though, you know, with Finance, to be mentioned, is that they do allow collector's edition and international edition, which are gold border backsided cards. Yeah, I've um, seen a lot more of those pop up. I, I saw... A Black Lotus go up for sale collector's edition for like four hundred dollars. Uh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. They're they're good. I mean, they're really good for the format because you can get things like Crusade and it looks just like a beta card on the front. Yeah, that's and, the thing. And it's like ninety three cents. So right. the format's totally affordable in a lot of ways, actually. Yeah, know? that that's what's amazing about those collector's editions is from the front they look like a regular printing. The only well, they, they are regular printing. Right, right. They're they're exact same card. The only telltale sign is that the corners are sharp, like old alpha cards. And and we actually clip the corners. Like, well, there's, like, you know, <laughs> yeah, just for, like, visual aesthetics, like, when people have them, you know, there's a clipper that's passed around, you know, mm-hmm. provided by, you know, Sean O'Brien is, you know, one of the main guys that, you know, really helps push a lot of the knowledge and, you know, yeah. uh, format, and, format yeah. driving in Atlanta. But, anywho, like, yeah, kind of an aesthetic reason, cut the corners, and they just look just like betas, you right. know, um, and they're extremely cheap, so that you can got, you can get, like, a white weenie deck for, you know, there's only things like Thunder Spirit, if you want to play that, that'd be something that's expensive, Yeah, but you get Italian version, probably, you know, for 15 or 20. Mm-hmm. So, I got a question for you, Evan. Yes. All right, as somebody who plays a lot of Eternal Magic, how do you feel about this term of the Eternal format? Well... I mean, I guess, so I think the term is just kind of like, it, it's, it's like pretty much more halfway wishful thinking. I think on a lot of, a lot right. of plates. I, I don't think that wizards, I mean, kind of jumping ahead of things that I'm thinking about, but I mean, to touch that, I would say that, you know, wizards cares a lot more about legacy than people are thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know this. Um, and, I think it's important to realize that there's a lot invested in the legacy. Um, but as far as just eternal in itself, like that idea is, is there room for that? Like, is it that much different than modern? Like, is it, is it really just a matter of like putting force of will and wasteland into modern? You know, like do we, right. do we need to just make this, you know, like it just yeah. seems like, it's just all about these two cards and like a small package of some others. Well, this yeah. is a big potter, yeah. but people are kind of pitching for it at this moment because it's, it's not going to be legacy, really. You know, it's this yeah, the, eternal idea. The the thing I've been looking at is, is it just modern with um, you know show and tell, and now you can sneak attack instead of through the breach? Well, sure. I've said for years that I would play modern if they actually let me play with cool cards. So. I actually like the you idea. You brainstorm, right? Like <laughs> brainstorm, force of will, wasteland, Jace the mind sculptor. It's like let me play with those cards, and I'd love to play uh, modern. So I'm actually fine with the idea of modern. But my idea was that Eter- whatever eternal or whatever it ends up being called replaces modern. Not I never thought of it as replacing legacy. Mm. Yeah, it, it definitely wouldn't. I mean, the thing is with legacy, like. It's been, you know, it's been dying, dead, et cetera, <laughs> since, like, 2003, you know? Like, yeah. It's just, like, it's so old Despite at this the, point. Uh, like, and 
Yeah, I mean, there's numbers. You know, you just you just can look at like legacy champs and vintage champs that just happened, like, and you know, you're looking at 780 people playing legacy. Right, participation you know, goes up every year in all right. events. Right, yeah, that's the big that's the big fallacy, right? Like all these MTG finance guys are like, oh, legacy is you know, like the the format is dwindling, the player participation is dwindling, but there are no like no one actually has numbers on any formats other than like. Published GP numbers, published you know open numbers. Well, like it, no one, there's no there's no metric for engagement that we have. You know, Wizards has that information. It, we don't have that information. It, it's also a perception fallacy. They're oh, comparing 100%. they're comparing the growth of formats like Standard and Modern, which are unbridled, and they're comparing that to Legacy, and that's like like comparing uh, airplane taking off to your car driving down the street. It's like yeah, that plane is going way faster than the car, but that car is also going at a good clip on its own. Right. right. I mean, the fact is, is Magic is growing. You know, yes. like all formats are growing. Yes. Every format in Magic is growing. Sure. Just the matter is, is that the, the gauge of standard and modern are going to be higher. You know, standard mm-hmm. by far the most. You know? Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and you, that's, I mean, that's, just, the way, that's the way it's meant to be, right? Like, that's right. what makes Wizards money, and that's, I'm fine with that, you know? Exactly. That's, that's and, the intent. And and how much does Legacy even want Wizards' hands on it? I mean, look at Modern right now. Right, you know, it's like, a shit show. <laughs> like, do, do do Legacy players actually want Wizards of the Coast to love Legacy this way? Like, the way that they quote-unquote love Modern? Like, friends like I, I these, who I needs enemies? That, you know? Like, I, I have a community that I play Legacy in, right? And we, have, we get, you know, 20-plus players very often. I mean... Very, very, very often, you know, we go into 30 range at times, you know. Yeah, you do that and that's on just one of, right, on, on a Thursday night. And, <laughs> you know, we, we have it on Sunday. We have it on, you know, Tuesday. Uh, we have it on Saturday now. Um, we also have quarterlies. We have places to, tr- I mean, like, I, I have so much legacy going on. You know, I just was in Huntsville playing at, like, a legacy tournament that was thrown by, by Zach. It was, like, really great. Uh, Infect player, uh, that's kind of running his own legacy series right now. And he's kind of, you know, been inspired and he's streaming it and he's throwing the events and people are traveling all through in the Southeast now. So it's like, the thing is, is like Star City Games has only had rain for so long. We're talking like four or five years in a game that's been around for 22 years, you know, and it's just, they don't have as much control over this whole game and how people play it as others think. Like, Legacy is bigger than Star City Games. I'm sorry, that's mm-hmm. true. Like, it is, there yeah. are more people that yep. care about Legacy than care about Star City Games. There are people that are more passionate that will do things out of their free time and donate to Legacy. The people will not do that for Star City Games. At the same time and in that same vein, there is a small number, like out of the, all the events that I play, there is a small number of them that are SCG events. Yeah. Right. People enjoy using the vehicle of Star City Games. Yeah. To try and make prizes and try to gain notoriety through the internet and through social media, etc. And play nine rounds or more a day. They don't have passion for Star City Games. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. speaking of that, uh, this Saturday I'm going to a local tournament. Uh, this guy, Eric Dupuy, just put it together. Uh, I think he's behind the, uh, I don't know if he's the one behind it or if he's partnering with them, but have you heard of Wormwood Deck Boxes? Um, it's a new, it's a new company that where they basically make handcrafted, woodworked deck boxes from, uh, Magic Decks. 
Yeah, it's very exotic wood. They also make like dice trays, dice vaults. Cool. Yeah. yeah, so they're sponsoring an event in uh in Bridgewater uh this Saturday that I'm going to where he's just putting up all the cards himself. It's like playset of Force of Wills, uh underground seas, tropical islands, and then play sets nice. of uh polluted deltas and flooded strands going paying out uh, to top uh eight. What's and, the entry? Uh it's it's thirty buck entry. Yeah, that, yeah. That, I think that's the, I think that's pretty much the norm right now, around thirty dollars. Yeah, you know, it's for like good tournaments. Yeah, yeah, but, if you but, get like over, yeah. But that's just an awesome thing. It's like if you think about it, it's like if Star City was still doing their events, do you think this event would have happened? Like right. that, and also the uh, I just this last weekend went to the exter- Eternal Extravaganza five K satellite. So they set up a satellite series up in, all up and down the East Coast, where they're just hosting five K tournaments uh, in a bunch of different cities. So yeah. there's people are definitely stepping up to the plate, which is awesome. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we we see a lot of that in the southeast, you know. To uh, there's a there's a guy Lincoln Baxter in uh, Charlotte that's doing a lot of work building there. Um, and actually, me and him, well, he moved forward on really wanting to contact um, Wizards of the Coast, and I also, you know had been kind of thinking along those same lines and he kind of moved forward with, you know, he had this idea and went along and wrote a really strong letter um, and conveyed a lot of important points that were like huge um, topics of interest for the community, you know, across the board. Uh, very long letter to, you know, Trick, uh, Helene, uh, a couple others. It was all received, uh, written back to as well. Um, and it's, it's, it's apparent that Wizards of the Coast is aware that there is a problem. And it was, it was explained that way. There's a problem between the Eternal, the Vintage, the Legacy community and Wizards of the Coast. And they're aware of it. They're, they, they're fully aware of it. And they want to address it now. And this is the beginning. This is the year that it starts, essentially. And this is before Eternal Masters was released. Mm-hmm. Shortly before, and there's going to be a lot more card-based. You know, it's, it's, it didn't say that this is what's going to happen, but it was. We're aware of this, and things are going to be moving forward. And ideas, and like the interests that you have, could be in the pipeline. Yeah. You know, and th- this was also expressed in a tournament fashion as well. So. Mm-hmm. There and I know that Helene also had just recently mentioned around the same time that the letter was received that it's going to be Eternal Weekend now also in Europe. Right. Um, so I'm thinking that things are going to be moving forward, you know, uh, in a much more positive light. And I think it's important that the community kind of like chimes in. Yeah. You know, um, I think it's important. Nazi actually people, does listen, people. <laughs> yeah, they, they they do listen, and it's really important that you write in. You know, or you express however you feel, you know, and and get that point across because they they do respond, and it's if you're just like chattering and arguing back and forth on the source or on forums, it's it, you can't expect them to be reading that, right? You know? But if, if you if you're bringing it to their doorstep, and you're doing it with multiple people, you know, get your your group of players in your area and you're all hitting them with letters like a mass attack of hey this is how we feel you know i think that i think that really goes a long ways a lot a lot further than people are 
people are uh, taking it for. But people Um, are lazy, and they just want to have arguments on Twitter instead of writing letters to their congressmen. (laughs) Sure, right. You know, I mean, but it it is a passionate group of people, so there's, like, hope, you know. I mean, at least someone that's listening to this, per se. If there's, like, five people that write in and express their, their feelings about, you know, I love the reserve list. I hate the reserve list. I love legacy. You know, I don't like legacy. Fine. You know, like, it's, it's good. Whatever. Just get out there. But I mean, I'm definitely on the bias where I'm hoping that more people are going to write in expressing more pushes for legacy because they are invested in the format. And this is why I enjoy this format. And this is why it's good for wizards X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And one of those reasons would be that, you know, people playing legacy with these expensive cards is a really great marketing tool for Wizards of the Coast because it's showing a game that has retained value over tons of years, like over two decades. But these cards are holding this much value, and they're this sought after. And if you make an investment into this game, you, know, the, you can see gains like this, or your gains will hold or you will hold some sort of value with these cards. These cards do have value. And that's an important thing for Wizards of the Coast that people are forgetting, because they do enjoy having expensive cards. There's a reason why Tarmogoyf is $125. It's not on the reserve list. And Jason's Prodigy, even in standard. Sure. <laughs> there, it, is, it is blatantly obvious. You are completely fooled if you think that they do not enjoy having cards being expensive. And it's not something to blame on sets. It's not something to blame on the reserve list. You know, it is something that is part of this game. It is something that that Wizards of the Coast learned from Chronicles, is that mm. you can't overprint, and mm-hmm. that people actually want their cards to be worth money. There's a bunch of people that screamed and said, hey, I want to have Elder Dragons for really cheap. That is a really and, good point. And they got Elder Dragons for really cheap. Yeah. But you know what else happened is all the game stores emptied. Like, my yep. game store went to zero people. And I mean zero. Like, I went there, th- I remember going there three days in a row. It's in the basement, poker, I mean, like, uh, ping pong tables to play on. Mm-hmm. And I went down there three days in a row, and there were zero people down there. And I went back there a week later, and there were zero people down there. And the Magic players that were older that had kind of come down there from playing tabletop games and D&D had gone back upstairs. And you know, this is something that's interesting with the reserve list, you know, that I kind of mentioned on your forums, is that the reserve list is, you know, a really kind of backbreaking thing for a lot of people. You know, it's a great thing for some people. But the thing is that it did is it did save magic, and mm-hmm. that is a fact. So what the reserve list did was that the players did get upset about the prices, etc., but you got to remember that all these stores had inventory of all these cards. So they got hit just like the players did, except times X. And so what happens is is they don't they have all these cards that aren't worth anything anymore. They don't even have people to sell them to anymore. And you go into a really dark time in Magic. I mean, I sold out. All my friends sold out. You know, I kept some cards, but like, I got to the point where they just wouldn't buy anything else from me. And I'm talking about power, like, like eight tabernacles, and just. I mean, I just had so many Magic cards. I was fully invested. Like, I played in Minicon, and you know, I went to Gen Con back then, and you know, like I was fully immersed in Magic and. You know, sold out. Everyone else sold out, etc. And so it, it was a real serious <laughs> oh, thing. And, that, and so that just that, w- that just reminds so, me of the best. The best saying is just like the best time to buy is when there's blood on the streets. Because can you imagine fair. the people going around at that time snapping up power on the cheap, tabernacles on the cheap? Well, you got to think too. Is blood, okay, so Black Lotus was what like two hundred and fifty dollars around that time, mm-hmm. uh, and 
Black Lotus was $300 at the beginning of the SCG Power 9 circuit. So it was holding $300 for a long time. Yeah, for a long but, time. But anyways, like the, the thing was what the reserve list was is actually more of an agreement of Wizards of the Coast with vendors. Right. So that vendors would continue to buy their product and would continue to carry their product, you know, to sell to players, um, which is kind of like what saved the game in, in a nutshell. You know, so you have you have this kind of catch twenty two with the reserve list. Um, they kind of went into a weird thing where they started like just putting cards onto the reserve list that were in like pro tour decks. You know, that one kind of like mm. retiring cards. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's um, why some of the later lists are just like patchwork random cards from random sets. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, thrill yeah. champion. <laughs> not, right. Yeah. Not thrill champion. <laughs> Why not thrill champion? <laughs> Sorry, Adrian. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, like fast forwarding from there, what you have is with Modern Masters and Eternal Masters is Chronicles two and three. Right. So, like, you, it's it's really interesting in that regard because it, it's taken twenty years to get here, almost. You know. Which is why I think. Is it's, I think you're hitting on something here that you know Wizard said that this is the big year that it, it's come to change. And also, did you get a chance to read the article by Steve uh, Gulrim on Channel Fireball today? I skimmed through it. Uh, I thought it was uh, really well put together, and I also noticed he's. Uh, I he's, think so too. Yeah, he's a local. He's from Cambridge, so I, I've actually seen him at a couple events, but I never knew he was a writer. But the long and the short of it is he goes into a... I really recommend anyone listening to this to go and read it because it was an awesome article. We'll link it in the notes. Yeah, we'll... Yeah, definitely do. um, He kind of touches a little bit on everything. He touches about, you know, the growth of Legacy, uh, why the reserve list exists, what it it was for, and a careful, systematic way to move away from the reserve list. And the only thing I would add to it is he outlines basically telling everyone, it's like, okay... The reserve list is coming off in X number of years. And right. it, it would be significant. It would be like three, five, seven years. Um, and then that way that gives everyone who vendors a chance to de, you know, come down on stocks, which in turn uh, eases up on price pressure because that just means people aren't going to be hoarding cards anymore that they know have the possibility of being reprinted. And the closer we get to that, it's going to slowly lower the price of cards so it doesn't cause this panic when if Wizards just came out and said, all right, reserve list is gone, we're going to reprint anything and everything. Prices right. would crash left and right, and people would freak out. Uh, you think, so wait, you're saying that the prices would crash and people would freak out if they said the reserve list is getting shut down in X years? No, if it was being shut down tomorrow. Oh, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know, I mean... I think the people in my community would not sell their power. Right. I don't know, you know, but I I don't know how other people would react. I think that people in my community are it would definitely cause it would, co- iron. It would yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it sounds like you're like the people in your community are like right. very invested in the game of Magic, not the the dollar value right. of the cards. There will there will always be the the people who I mean, hold out, but it's going it, it would cause a Twitter shitstorm nonetheless. Sure. But, I mean, I guarantee you that, like, me and, you know, everyone else in my area, we held our cards, our, we would probably still come out the victors, because right. it's happened before. Oh, yeah. Well, the only thing I was going to add to the Steve uh, Gillerman article, uh, how to dismantle the Please. reserve list, if people are wondering, is um, uh, the only thing I, w- I actually, uh, someone mentioned to me, uh, was doing it like how Disney does their classic movies. 
because Disney has a similar issue where they keep their their classic movies in what's called the Disney Vault, where they don't release them all the time because they want to keep this air of uh, you know importance about them, and they only release them every seven years. So that each generation gets to experience the movie in a whole new way, and it's their way of curating their classics to go forward in time. And I think the reserve list could do something similar, where we set it on a schedule, you know, three, five, seven years, and we slowly pull cards off the reserve list. So, just as how we have abandoned restricted announcement, on a periodic time frame, have a reserve list announcement where they're systematically pulling off a handful of cards at a time until you finally get down to just the last remnants of it that, you know, I don't know if Power 9 should be taken off the reserve list. You know? Can we start with Thrill Champion? Yes, we can. Sure. We can start with Thrill Champion and every the other. Hard to stick. Yeah, <laughs> the show is such an awesome. Was, that deck was so much fun. It was a pit and the pit. Play some thralls. You can play a sick reanimator deck in '93, '94. I was actually just talking about this one of the Tusk, just like yeah, uh, Breeding Pit and Lord of the Pit. And you got animate, an, and animate dead, animate dead. Uh, uh, yeah, demonic hordes was used. As just a, a yeah. Fallen Angel, I don't know. But anyways, like, uh... Throw yeah. <laughs> <laughs> champion art doesn't make sense. Fucking bring it back. Oh, man. But uh, yeah. It's some, it's, sometimes it's just about style. Yeah. yeah. There you uh, go. I get you. I'm, I'm just busting balls. <laughs> you, you, you got fucking... Uh, what did they come out as? Zero one out of the breeding pit? There were one one tokens you'd get every turn. Yeah, oh, no. yeah, exactly. So, you you feed it to the Lord of the You can feed it you to the Lord. To Lord of the Pit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can, yeah, exactly. Or you can end up feeding it to the Cabal Ghoul, you know. Um, <laughs> so it goes around. I mean, anywho. All, all our good. listeners are like, yeah. what is these cards? Yeah, like, what are these cards? <laughs> Shut up. Is this, is this the next hot legacy tech? Should I get on these? <laughs> <laughs> I think they should bring this back in standard. Yeah. I, I want to see people like play with Lord of the Pit going this. Fucking sucks. Yeah. Like Grizzlebrand is so much more fun. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, what do you what do you guys think as far as like do you think there's anything that should stay on the reserve list? Like I think everyone can pretty much agree that where this is all revolving around the eye of the hurricane is dual lands on the reserve list. That is kind of the you know unarguable fact of the chokehold that's preventing legacy from growing as quickly as standard or modern. Is Would that... you want legacy to grow as quick as standard? No, I don't. I I don't I, want to. I don't mind that. I, so I wouldn't mind it because the problem is, is you, I mean, I mean, like, I just don't know what what it's doing. Like, as far as like, I, I guess like for communities that don't have legacy, you know, like yeah, I, we, we, we like we're a little selfish. I want it to grow fast yeah. in like Oklahoma. Right. Okay. <laughs> I think it's... Would, do people even enjoy legacy like that? Like, I mean, like, is there? I, I feel like there's like a select like. It's like a place you get to in magic almost, you know, right. or like, like, it's, it's like, like you, you, you learn appreciation and you learn the game, like, to this certain level that, like, legacy really attracts you. Right. I, yeah. You, you start off casual, then maybe you're starting to get a little bit more competitive, so you work your way into standard, and then you're like, oh, I'm kind of sick of this rotating format, all my cards are being worthless, I want some value, and traditionally your next step would be legacy, but now there's kind of the stepping stone of modern, where people are going into modern first, and now when people are getting tired of modern, now they're moving into legacy. Yeah, I mean, the, the modern, they had, like, uh, so recently they had, like, the average deck was $1,400 in their top eight, like, it's it's getting closer to 
legacy, you know, like, uh, well, legacy just got a huge spike recently. So I guess we never really framed it. Here's the thing. Well, here's the thing with all the spikes. Everyone's going crazy. Well, well, before, wait, before we get into that, just to kind of frame it for people who, (laughs) yeah, frame it for people who don't really know what's going on. Aren't as social media attached. Um, just one thing with the reserve list, just real quick is that we're, we're at the point where, like, there has to be a little more trust with Wizards of the Coast with reprints. I mm-hmm. feel like um, there's, I, I, if they if they got rid of the reserve list, it's like, okay, like, does anyone actually think that they're just gonna like print a jillion Black Lotuses like they did in the original Chronicles? Like, is that even possible? Like, are like, would that just be the worst business move ever? Like, <laughs> it's true. Wizards, like, they, Wizards they would smart. print they print so few of them. That it would just, it would actually just make the original Black Lotuses go so high. Yeah. And, and the other ones would be so hard to obtain. Well, you know? I, I think we have like a precedent for this even with the, with the new expeditions they've just put out. Exactly. That, that's, a, that's a great way for them to put out some really, really chase cards that are, you know, even more rare than a mythic rare. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> introducing this new rarity, um, that makes them just like super, super, like just, Chase, like I said, exactly that. Chase cards, you know. And yeah, like, like, well, for some, I mean, did Scalding Tarn go down? No. Yeah, I think it actually went up a little bit. Right. Exactly. But like these economics are starting to get a little more transparent, you know. Yeah. Well, also just to kind of frame it for our listeners too, is like, what we're all kind of talking about here is that ever since Eternal Masters came out one by one, like they were being shot by a sniper, reserveless cards just started <laughs> spiking to obscene heights. Um, you know, Why, is 60 good... obscene for a no-roll? <laughs> that's, that's a great analogy. Yeah. One by one. <laughs> Bang, underground scene. <laughs> Bang, volcanic island. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, the dual lands all hit it at first, and I was actually surprised the dual lands did not spike as much as I thought they were going to, which is probably a good thing because they're already pretty expensive. But even so, they still went up by about, you know, 25 to $50. What's weird is that the dual lands are now at a stabilized price. Right. That is at the same level of when Star City Games was throwing opens every Sunday. Mm-hmm. And at the, when they're at their highest peak. And we do not have Star City Game opens every Sunday. Right. That's a really good point, yeah. Exactly. Um, yes, I, so decks are getting obscene. I saw Shardless Bug is clocking in at just over $4,000 for the deck, uh, which is pretty ridiculous. Okay, well, that's another thing I want to touch on, is yeah. that price price guide websites, you know, right, there's, every single one of them, I don't care what the name is, well, you know, there's definitely you, overpricing. They, they're so off right now, and we're in, a, we're in an age that is completely different than we've ever seen. People are able to do things they were not able to do before. And they're able to oh, go... Oh, they were. They, they were. It's just they were doing it on the stock market, and we caught them, and we told them Correct. they can't do it anymore. <laughs> right. In a re- now, that's a regulated market. Right. We're in an unregulated market, uh, and what is happening is that people are going into these, these TCG accounts and buying out cards completely... Are they seeing them at a low amount? They buy all of them so that there's zero. And then them, they themselves or one of their friends put a card on there and put it at $100 or whatever obscene amount. And then what happens is that you're getting these, basically, we're, we're going into price manipulation where these sites are reading these prices as being the actual site. And then what happens the next day is people go, oh, my God, my card is worth $100. Did you see this? 
and it's completely artificial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, then you see the card go down fifteen dollars the next day. You know, like the, it, it, the it's problem continuous. with these, though, the problem with these, where the real harm comes from, is a card will start at twelve dollars. Someone will do this method; it'll spike up to a hundred, but then price memory is sticky, and it'll drop down, but it'll still drop to you know forty dollars, fifty dollars, still sure. higher than where it started off. That's where the right. real harm comes from: is that it's driving prices up. And it's crashing back down, but it never goes back to the same price it was before the hype. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what the the hashtag MTG Finance guys like to call price memory. Right. And the problem is with that is that the cards do come back into the market, et cetera. But when you start talking about especially these older cards is that they don't come back into the market People's- very fast because they're not following the, the fucking MTG stocks and the MTG goldfish because – they're doing other things with their lives, and their magic cards are sitting in their closet or their attic or in a box, mm-hmm. and they like magic, but they don't follow these websites and just sell them out right away because, you know, some some guy wants to be the wolf on Wall Street, you know? Like, it's, it, it, it's damaging in the fact that the, the bubbles are being created in certain situations, um, and it, we're, we're definitely in it. We're, we're in a trend of this. Um, but I think it does need to be understood there's a difference between speculation and buyouts. Right. Um, where speculation is where, you know, you have players that are trying to get like a set of four or they're trying to get a set of, you know, four before, you know, a big price gouge is going to happen that they're aware of because they're a savvy buyer, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they buy an extra set because, you know, they borrow out decks to people or they might run, you know, they might run that extra set in another deck. So, that is something that is, you know, always been around in Magic, you know. Um, but the buyouts, um, I, I did it with myself. I just, bu- yeah, I, I just I, bought I, some shallow graves because talking to Adrian, it's like, yep, shallow grave might be the next target because if Null Rod spiked, if um, you know all these other random cards. So it first, like we got went through the the logical cards, dual land spiked, um, Lion's Eye Diamond spiked, uh, City of Trader spiked. Those are all cards like, okay, these are cards that see a lot of play in Legacy. I can see them, you know, people want to buy them up before they don't have the chance and they want to be able to play the decks that they're played in. But now Meta, we're... Now, Metalworker is another potential, right? Yeah, Metalworker. Metal reserve list, yeah. But yeah, monolith. when a card like Null Rod, which is a one-of in sideboards, goes to $70, yeah, so, that's crazy. something's off. No... Well, <laughs> credit to Null Rod is that it is... Well, there's two things I want to say about Null Rod. Is that one, I was trying to get everyone in my local community to buy Null Rod. Because, <laughs> not because of, you know, the, you know, woohoo lottery, but because actually in Vintage, it's a great card for unpowered decks. It's yep. too colorless, so it goes into any deck and it just shuts down all the moxes and the black lotus. Yeah. And we do, we do unpowered prizes at our Vintage. You know, our last Vintage, we had 17 and it's sanctioned. Our first one we had 12, second one we had 15, last one we had 17. And we have our next one, which will probably get over 20. And there are people that want to play without power. Um, Null Rod's really powerful in that format, long story short. So it's upsetting a lot of people missed out on that. Um, Null Rod's a really great card, though. It is probably one of the cards that I think has always been undervalued and underplayed, mainly mm-hmm. because here comes the pun, it does nothing. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I get you too, Jerry. Exactly. Well, my biggest thing is where I'm really afraid of where the harm's coming from in this is when these kind of unique cards get bought out, 
it lowers the diversity of, of legacy. Nullrod's not a defining card, but Nullrod is a great sideboard card. It's an awesome answer to miracles in basically any deck that's running, uh, uh, Sensei's Divining Top. And, or Helmophobia. Or Helm, yeah, condition. and just other just random, like, uh, corner case scenarios where it's your best sideboard option. So no. it, it's a great card to have, and I'm just, uh, I'm uh, upset that, you know, because of these buyouts, people aren't gonna have that option available to them. They're gonna have to pick subpar choices. Subpar? Yeah. I mean, you know. Stony Silence. Yeah, exactly. Well, oh, oh, okay. I mean, I don't. Because huh, Stony I, Silence demands a color. Well, this right. is, this is, this is funny that you, like, I, I didn't really understand what you meant by eliminating the diversity in Legacy when, you know, we've been having this conversation about Null Rod Pything Needle for a year now. Well, no, you still have Pything Needle, but Null Rod does something significantly different than Null Rod. That's a totally different conversation. What I'm saying is, you're taking a card out of circulation, making it difficult for players to play that card, because I'm not dropping $70 on a one-of sideboard card. Unless they make, alright, so what if they just created it as a creature? Like, something like a Phyrexian Revoker. Well, that's what I'm saying, subpar choices. You're, you're kinda getting okay, off topic right, here. Now yeah. it's, now it's, okay, cause now it's targeted by creature removal. Yeah, okay. exactly. So, gotcha. it's just the fact that you're eliminating a choice. You know, yes you can get alternatives, Python Needle, Phyrexian Revoker, Stony Silence, but the fact is, you don't get Null Rod. And sometimes no. you just want Null Rod. Uh, a lot of times I just want. <laughs> yes, you of all people should, should say. <laughs> it's fucking awesome to get storm decks when they're like, oh, I get a bunch of petals and lions eye diamonds. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's really good. Yeah, but, it's a good card. I mean, it really is. But I like it. Yeah, so just kind of going back to it, it's just like that's that's what I'm afraid of. That's what makes me sad about everything that's come out with the announcement of Eternal Masters is that there are going to be cards that people aren't going to be able to play with anymore. Um, you know, we already had a few in that category that that you know I didn't want that category getting any you know larger. It's it's sad that many people can't play with Tabernacles, Moats, Abysses. Uh, Chains of Mephistopheles. These cards are cool cards, but the average legacy player just can't afford to play with them. And it, it it's just, the fewer cards we have in that category, the healthier it will be for the format. Because it's almost like an unofficial ban list. Well, here's the thing, though, that I definitely want to touch base on, is, like, everyone's, like, you know, it's kind of like a negative attitude about Eternal Masters and... I've heard at least and read, you know, on podcasts and et cetera. And it's, it's a lot of it is based on the prices of reserve list cards going so high. Now, the thing is that no one really knows what Eternal Masters is putting out, right? Right. Like, they, they, cards, they, they, they've yeah. showed you two cards, right? And what, what are those two cards? Like Wasteland and Force of Will. You know what I mean? Like these two cards are like, like it, this is like them saying, like, all right, you guys want to see some guns? Here's some guns. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's, is that a musket? <laughs> like <laughs> they put out a uh, Modern Masters, they did the same thing. Here's Tarmogoyf, but then when they were finally done, they're like, all right, all you really get was Tarmogoyf, Click, and Bob. Well, no, first Modern Masters had a lot. First Modern Masters was pretty. Oh yeah, I think, there was. I think it was a, actually a pretty good set for Modern. I think that the second one was was a little more of a failure, though. Right. Well, my my impression has been more like if they, you know, in doing Eternal Masters, and if there's an attempt to create a format called Eternal, my my impression was more, it's only going to drive up the demand of cards that they print. Similar to how right. Tarmogoyf was like a hundred before Modern Masters, now it's two. You know, and like it, I they, mean, the 
Wait, not to drop but the the real tinfoil theory that I have is that like the tinfoil hat theory is like the people behind the drive for uh, quote unquote like this eternal format are all people who do like NTG finance shit. So like, what are the chances that these no. guys like everyone that I've seen on who are running like the stuff on uh, on Twitter and on on Reddit are these guys from the MTG finance community. They seem to be the most passionate about it. I, I've kind of and noticed like, that a little bit too, but and I, it is kind of a tinfoil hat theory. But no, I, I've like, noticed like that what too if bad. they're trying to like stretch, you know, to to expand this, to stretch the uh, what's the, what's the I mean, best way to put it? Like stretch the card so thin that stuff that that is already out there spikes in prices, and then exactly. all they're doing is breaking in dough. I, that's what I'm know. saying is when you when you create a format where now everybody wants show and tell, you just increase, yeah. create a greater yeah. demand. Well, I think I think Wizards had no intention at all of having Eternal as a format because oh, no. from their reaction afterwards, they were they were caught totally by surprise by the outburst of people just read way too into it. People yeah. saw Eternal Masters and they're like, oh, there's a Modern Masters and a Modern Format. And there's legacy, but there's no legacy masters. Yeah, like, and there's yeah. vintage and and vintage masters online. Oh, they must be creating a new format. And yeah. Wizards was caught backpedaling, going, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! That's not well, what we're saying at all." Well, yeah, and I agree. Like we I were just putting the tip in. Yeah, no, I, I, thought their announcements were, I thought their announcements was pretty clear. They're like, "This is going to have cards for Cube. This is going to have cards for Commander. This is going to have cards for Legacy and Vintage." Like that's that was the purpose of this set. Exactly. Like there's a, there's someone that was hired as a copywriter to write that sentence that way. Right. Like they they're hired to write. Like someone <laughs> looked not. at it. Well, well, that, someone look, like, isn't that same sentence true for every pack of standard? No, it's just that stuff really? is not. No, that stuff is not printed for. It's not printed for Commander. It's not printed for standard? Legacy. It's not printed. Yeah, no, new new packs not. coming out are printed for Standard. That is yeah, their sole like purpose. That's, that's the whole point. That's just, their sole purpose. If that's their sole purpose, Abrupt Decay had no intention of ever being played in Legacy. Well, you're right. You're 100 percent right. Yeah, they 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 have said themselves, and I believe it because Watsi is a much smaller company than people give them credit for. They don't do any testing of Legacy. They right. don't test any of their standard cards for legacy. They don't, sure, te- they don't even test. They don't even test standard cards for modern. Sure, so, but what you're telling me is that they make packs and cards with no intention of them ever being bought by anybody. Sometimes, sometimes a designer will slip something in because designers have pet cards that they put in there. And yes, there are uh, there are cards at pretty much every set that are good enough for legacy. But those cards or weren't cute. De- or cute. Vintage. But those or cards weren't designed for legacy. Right, they, it's, it's wizards, splash damage. Right, it's splash damage. wizards has sets like that's why that's that's why they have conspiracy. That's that's why they have conspiracy. That's why they have commander. That's why they right. have these oh, supplemental products. We didn't mean products. to give everybody treasure cruise. <laughs> no, they didn't. I mean, think about it. If they, had, if, if they had really thought about it, Adrian, you think they would have been like, oh? I'm not saying that they too... think about it. I'm, what I'm saying is that you can, you can't tell me, Adrian. That. Treasure cruise is the perfect example. If they were planning on playing things in Legacy, why do you think Treasure Cruise would ever see the light of day in the first place? Otherwise, it would be immediately sure. banned upon release. I, I, th- I, I understand you're what you're saying, Adrian. I understand. Re- if you reread the sentence out loud that you had just read. Okay. It, well, it could be applied to every pack of standard, also. I think I think you guys are on two different paths right now. Yeah, like, that's, that's like, there's like, there's, <laughs> the, Okay, so there's like there's like what the designers are are putting on the packaging, mm-hmm. and then there's like are the des- and then we're also talking about right now are the developers making cards for certain formats, right? And, and, uh, and then like, at the other end would be what is it the players are looking for. Well, yeah, and I would say quickly on, on, on Adrian's point is that 
There are definitely people that work at Wizards of the Coast that play Eternal Formats and are very aware of the cards that they're developing and uh, are very aware that what their cards are going to do in Eternal Formats. For sure, definitely. uh, How they're going to impact it. You know, like, to think that it's just, like, a bunch of people that have no idea of, like, the game or, like, you know, don't, <laughs> don't like, play these formats and, and develop cards is, is kind of ludicrous. Yeah, I, I agree, but, like, if you've seen, like, they publish the Future Future League decks sometimes, and a lot of them are just fucking atrocious. They're just badly designed decks. And so, yeah. like, I, I agree with you, but I still think... What's wrong think, with Thrall Champion? Yeah, I still think... I still think that... I'm not going to acknowledge that. I still think that they don't... I don't think they have the power... They don't have the manpower to... To really delve deep, you know, excuse the pun, on like, on cards that are being printed and their impacts on eternal formats. But anyway, the, the real point is, is that they specifically came out and said that this set is for Cube, it's for Commander, it's for Legacy, it's for Vintage, and these people are, you know, like, like Jerry said, reading into it that there's gonna be this new format eternal, like, it's, it's really a huge, a massive, massive stretch, and, you know, uh, just a, uh, yeah, it's just a huge stretch that just, I don't, I don't see there. I thought they were pretty clear on their announcement, and I think that people are uh, mm-hmm. reading too much into it. That being said, it's almost like it's becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy because now there are people uh, who are trying to set up communities of Eternal. And you know what? More power to them. You know, we have Popper, we have Commander. There's no reason to say we can't have another constructed format. Well, it just, it just seems like it's worse Legacy. Well, no, it's, it oh, just seems. Like I think of it as better legacy. modern. I would obviously play Legacy. At, Ever before I played Eternal, but you're damn right I would play Eternal before I would want to play Modern. Well, that's, here's the thing. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, no, no, no. I, w- I was just gonna say that's that's oh, fair. That's done. Go ahead. Adrian, <laughs> <laughs> Adrian doesn't like talking. He was like, so, get what, back in your cage. So, get back in your cage. <laughs> so like now we have like Tangle Lands and Shock Lands, you know, which like I feel like there's start- like Tangle Lands are almost like creeping to something that like. Could work in Legend, Legacy. Legend, or, legendary like, Snow Duel Lands. Legendary like, Snow yeah, Duel like, Lands. Like, here's the, yeah, exactly. Like, it, it really does, like, like, what is going on where they just can't print a dual land that's just so much better than a shock? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, like, really people should just be mad at Wizards. They shouldn't even be mad at the reserve list. Right. You know, at this point. Because they, they can print a dual land and it's it the does not break fix. the reserve list. Yeah, it, you cannot, and you cannot. It make... doesn't break the format either because no one plays eight of one dual land. Right. It, it's the easiest fix too, because it's not like you can slightly change chains of chains of Mephistopheles and make it and just reprint it. Like right. that's going to significantly change the card just because of how complex that card is. But a dual land's a freaking dual land. Just give me yeah. a dual land worth fetching. Yeah. And, and they've done it before too. And they got like that tabernacle guy and the candelabra guy or whatever. Oh yeah, the, like, the magus they try. Guy. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. The magus dudes. It's still so, like, it's still a poor replacement. They've kind of, they've kind of touched it, but like. I feel like just, they can get a lot just closer. The just yeah. the tip. <laughs> so, can, can I request Magus of the Null Rod? <laughs> I wouldn't Magus be surprised. Just Magus yeah. of the Rod. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, well, I mean, like, I feel like, again, going back to people writing in, you know, expressing their opinions, you know, like, if enough people are writing in with concerns like that, you know, they'll, they'll probably do something. They'll probably really start to yeah. put into consideration but they can easily make a dual land that's functional, and you won't have to play Eternal or whatever people could, are losing their minds about. They like can you even can, make one that fucking taps for their new Wingding color. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they can make this, oh, like, Underground Sea, you know, square taps for blue, black, or a colorless mana. Yeah, try it. I mean, 
color, color there are Australians. literally hundreds of options. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm just giving you bad ones, but <laughs> that's, that's I actually good. think th- I actually think that might be too good because that's actually better than a dual land. <laughs> well, that's yeah. it's, it's an underground sea that can also cast your Eldrazi. The, the Tango lands were so close to being like a legacy playable card. If it just said instead of you know two more basic lands, it said two more basic land types. Right. Because then you could run a single like you could run a single UC in your deck and then just fetch battle lands for the rest rest of the game. You know what I mean? It's, if, if you weren't getting pissed it out. Cinderglade could easily see legacy play. Yeah. Yep. I can see it's that. It's the red green one. Goes right in Belcher. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true. I mean, Belcher already runs a Shockland though, so I don't think we need to really watch out for Belcher. <laughs> no, but if the price of Shocklands goes up too much, Cinderglade. <laughs> yes. If, if Belcher decks get priced out, you guys can go to Cinder. <laughs> <laughs> if you spend so much on any of the other cards that go in Belcher. Feel free to spend 50 cents on Cinderglade. Good. Good. Uh, but, well, kind of wrapping it in as well, uh, you you were mentioning, you know, what this set was designed for. I think Wizards is sending us a clear message that they also want us to vote with our wallet because Eternal yeah. Masters, Conspiracy 2, uh, and Shadows of Innistrad are all coming out within three months of each other. And yeah, and you have From the Vaults and Commander is coming out this year too. Exactly. So you d- you better believe that wa- uh, Wizards of the Coast is expecting us to vote with our wallet. Whatever product sells the most is going to be the product that they put at the top of their must-have list for next year. I mean, it's going to sell out like completely. Oh I mean, yeah, Eternal quick. Masters. Yeah, really quick. I like, think the great it, thing is that they say, it says it seems to have a print run between like what Modern Masters. One had and Modern Masters 2015 had. Like, Modern Masters 2015 to me was like, I wouldn't say overprinted, but had a very heavy print run. I, th- I no, what I think it was is Modern Masters 2015 had the correct print run size and not enough hype, not enough good cards behind it. If Modern Masters 2015 had a bit more value it behind it, you're damn right it would have sold out. It's okay. just there wasn't really as much value it didn't in 2015. Have the well, not even that. We said it last cast. You know, it didn't have Path to Exiles. It didn't have these commons and uncommons that mm-hmm. modern players want. It didn't, like, they could have thrown in Serum Visions into it, right. and it, it would have been a huge... Overmanned. Yeah. Sure. It would have been a huge like, reason yeah, all for... all these, like, $3, $3, $4 dollar uncommons and whatever. Right, yeah. and instead, they, they gave us a couple. They gave us, like, what, the, like, Destroy Target Artifact and Deal 3 Damage and... Smashes and and I think they did do Remands, but it just wasn't enough of it. Yeah, they, they, like, I think those well, are the Remand only... was in the dual deck, wasn't it? I don't think Remand was in Modern Masters. I think it was just the dual deck. Uh, I think it, I don't know, maybe. Either let's, way, let's find out. Yeah, either way. Yeah. But um, but yeah. So I I think if this set Remand is... was in Modern Masters. Yeah, it oh, was. Okay, and it was in Jace versus Vraska. It was also in Jace versus Vraska. But that's the thing is like they could have done so much more and it would have sold out completely. And I really hope that there are so many good cards that they could put into Eternal Masters that would make it sell out. We talked about it last week, just like Dazes and Cabal Therapies and Him to Torax and all the goodies. As, as, oh, a, yeah. as, a, as a question, because it's on the top of my head, and I'm going to forget in a second again. Uh, we were talking about comparison, comparing formats earlier, and, and out of curiosity, you know, Pat was mentioned, mentioning published numbers. What's the average attendance at a GP standard or sealed? Uh, I, Is it about a grand, a thousand people? Uh, yeah, but I'm just pulling numbers out off the top of my head here. Me too. I, me too. I, I looked at a uh, list, but I'm, I'm, and I'm trying to remember. We had like, wasn't there like four thousand in New Jersey? I know, I know Oakland had had one. I, I just remember this, like there was one the the SCG or not SCG, the the Channel Fireball GP in Seattle. 
Uh-huh. That yeah, one had like right. a little over 2,000, and then there was a GP in Oakland that had a little over 2,000. Okay, so it it could be the same for legacy. I, I, I think it kind of depends. Yeah, like I mean, I do. I do. had four thousand. I'm curious what the one coming up is going to have. I do know of like top ten GP attendances. Like four of them are legacy GPs. Okay. And that that also just has to do with the fact that there aren't as many legacy GPs as standard GPs. So everyone right, you get a lot of international people that show up. Exactly. Yeah. But um, but yeah, kind of with conspiracy, I'm actually kind of happy about this because I actually really like the reprints that were in conspiracy. Uh, one, the original conspiracy, like they gave uh-huh. us pernicious deed, exploration, misdirection, Faden. stifle, yeah, like so many. Dak Faden was like a new card in it that was great. Uh, for for legacy. Oh, for oh, for reprints you're talking about. Yeah, but yeah, just specifically reprints, but also just like also some good legacy cards. So I'm pretty yeah. pumped to see what comes out of conspiracy too. I mean, that's what's what not coming out of Conspiracy about. 2 is Braga. <laughs> I love that. That is like one of the, who, whoever's behind the marketing campaign of that at Wizards, give that man a raise. Oh, yeah, for that sure. just brought a grin to my face, and I just thought it was a great kind of way to get marketing and the hype going about the set. It's so effortless. So the original, the, <laughs> yeah. you, the original no, announcement was like Conspiracy 2, The Rise of Brago, and it had, um, uh, yeah. what's his so it had him as like the the central character in it, and sure. then uh, like the ne- the next day it had um oh sorry this is actually conspiracy to the empty throne yeah. and it had like it, it the oh, amount it? of <laughs> the amount of cards in the set it had like two twenty one crossed out and then next to it written two twenty. So was, well, the way they spoiled clever. it too is they released oh, they released artwork conspiracy. they released artwork of Brago like getting grabbed by an assassin and then just a, a knife stabbed into his neck. And, yeah. and the announcement was like, unfortunately, due to unforeseen circumstances, Brago will not be joining us in uh, in Conspiracy <laughs> yeah, 2, Reina Brago. It's now called, like, uh, Conspiracy 2, uh, like, The Empty Throne. Yeah. <laughs> and what I hope they do is I hope uh, up until release, they just have a power struggle where they release, like, a new king or queen Ooh. and then say that they're assassinated until we get to release date and they reveal the actual name of the set. Yeah, I mean, it, it it costs, like, literal nothing in marketing. It says a few tweets will do it, yep. and, like, updating their webpage, and, like, Twitter just eats it up. So yeah. it's, like, it's a great way to just hype this out. It's really clever. Yeah, it was great. Um, the one thing I was worried about, modern, uh, sorry, Eternal Masters, was that they weren't going to have any new cards, so it was pretty cool. Yeah. That conspiracy was coming out, so you'd have some... You know, some new refreshing cards. Yeah. Oh, for the for the format, you mean? I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this. I mean, we'll get new cards from Commander and Conspiracy, and we're going to get a bunch of Eternal reprints. Yeah. So, and it's a it's a good time to be a Legacy player. Oh yeah. Do you think there's a whole lot of people still holding on to boxes of Modern Masters One sealed? I think so, just because it's an awesome draft set. That's one of the biggest strengths of these sets is well, yeah, how much what's fun the they point are of having draft. it sealed. Well, because you want to save it for a rainy day. If you draft it today, you can't draft it tomorrow, Adrian. Right, but if, well, you, if you draft it tomorrow, you can't draft it the day after that either. Well, yeah. Well, there's all the, like, hashtag MTG Finance dudes that'll have, like, 20 in their closet <laughs> for whatever fucking reason. It's, that's what, that's it's Adrian. Right. They, think it's gonna, they think it's going to be worth, like, $500, you know, but you can still buy them for 350 and it's, like, two, yeah. three years later or whatever. Well, just, really? For modern I think about it. Yeah. Adrian, Adrian, I think about it the same way I do about putting a nice bottle of champagne in the closet. 
It's like, yeah, you could pop that open and drink it tonight, or you could save it for a special occasion. And that's what I kind of think of, like, really fun draft sets like Modern Masters 1, Conspiracy, things like those, where, you know, I have a box of Conspiracy tucked in the back of my closet right now because, you know, one day I may uh, have Sit a special... Sit in the closet and open up a box of Conspiracy. Yeah, by myself. Just to <laughs> rip, rip those backs open by myself and cry softly into my shoulder. Stifle, stifle. Oh, foil Dak Faden! Foil Dak Faden! No one's here to share my joy. In the dark. In the dark. But, uh, no, just like, you know, you're doing a weekend away with the, your, your friends and you, you rent a cabin somewhere and you decide to bring the box out. You know, so, yeah, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold up some boxes of Eternal Masters. Like, I wanna, I, I wanna play it for Seal and I wanna play it for Anty. Yeah, That's I hope. Like, uh, 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 the fact oh, that reminds me. So we were talking about doing some sealed, um, Eternal Masters. Remember? The fucking anti league. Oh, do anti league eternal masters? Yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking about doing in Atlanta. Like exactly that. Like oh, uh, yeah, yeah, an anti league for eternal masters and just you know people. If you drop, you, all your cards go to first place. Yeah, like no one no one leaves the room. <laughs> the doors are bolted, gentlemen. <laughs> oh Sick. man. Uh, what do you guys think about mythics? That's one thing that I I had written down that, like, I thought was kind of interesting. Like, I, I talked to this guy, Greg, from Atlanta. Greg Craiger, he's uh, part of the Taxmen, which is uh, a local team in Atlanta. Uh, they're really good at finance. Um, they're not exactly rivals of us, kind of neutral. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I talked to him about MTG Finance, and uh, he knows about, like, buyouts and stuff. Um He's pretty tight into it. He gave me a lot of good knowledge. One thing that, and that some of his notes that he gave to me have kind of like touched on some of these things. But one thing that he brought up that I thought was real interesting was the change of mythics in general, which was something that was not around when I had, you know, first got into the game. And it was in when I'd come back as long as like planeswalkers, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But the thing that he had said that was really interesting was that just think if that if revised dual lands would have been mythic what their prices would be right now. Oh, yeah, like the Tarmogoyf effect all over again. That's a good point. Like, like, like the, that, and that was something that was really interesting to me as far as the landscape that we're in right now. Because if revised duels were mythics back then, Underground Seas would be around $1,600, I'd imagine. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They'd be no lower than 1200 And And yeah. that's something to really think about. Yeah, like, but it, if it, you also think about it, it depends on the projection of player growth. Because if the player growth keeps growing at the same clip it's going now, then yeah, I can see Tarmogoyf being sixteen hundred dollars twenty years from now. But the thing is, is there you know one that's not going to happen because it can be reprinted, and two, I don't think Magic is going to keep growing in these leaps and bounds like it has for the last five years. Like, well, Tarmogoyf kind of sucks. He's just like a necessary. Yeah. He, he's like just like a wall that doesn't. He's just a vanilla beater, you yeah. know. Like he, he is like most vulnerable to power creep. Right. You know, like he he is a he is a sign of the times. Yeah, but I'm just saying, it's just like even even not counting any of those factors, just the fact that we are going to plateau and players eventually. There's only so many users of any product. You know, theoretically it's the population of the globe, but I guarantee you we are not going to get to those numbers with magic. There is a saturation point. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I also think, too, like, the the argument, I mean, from Wizard's standpoint of the point of putting Mythic as a rarity is that it doesn't warp the limited format too much, and I think that they focus, they focus a lot on the limited format with each set that gets released. 
Um, I think having a bunch of planeswalkers at rare in a set would be a little bit dangerous um, and make for a not so fun limited format. Uh, right. It makes them also. That's a good point. And it also puts in a lot of like um, excitement for these mythics. Like they're only going to be, you know, there's like what, like in a normal set, like thirty or forty rares, but there might only be like eight to twelve mythics. So those kind of are the ones that you see in like those are the ones you see in the packaging. Those are the ones you'll see planeswalkers at. So I think that having that extra rarity allows them to put really powerful cards into the format without warping the limited format, which is their main, you know, their their I would say their biggest concern, if not their second biggest concern with the standard set. I think the biggest problem, or what they would say is their biggest achievement, is that they they have cards that are over $100, you know, with, with those options of how they print cards with the Mythics. Mm-hmm. Like, they have this Mythic option where they, they really can gauge how many are printed between Rare and Mythic, and they still choose to have cards that they can reprint into Oblivion be $125. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 interesting. I mean, I know when Mythics first came first were released, they were more for like anything that was legendary would be like a Mythic just for flavor wise. But now it's more about and now it's more about the the limited format than anything else. It's so, just like, you know, he had mentioned the saturation point being based on population, and I'm actually curious if you know what do you guys think about the saturation point getting to the point where, um, for whatever economic reasons, happen. On a large scale, people just don't have the expendable income to play a game that's that expensive. And that's probably why you saw a big boom in this game, like after, um, what was it, like 2010? Like after the recession hit. Like I bet, I wouldn't be surprised if sales of this game saw a big, a big, like, dip when the recession hit the US, and they've been skyrocketing since. Um, I would think that with the recovery that we've had, like people are, have more, ex- Expendable income and and uh, or disposable income rather, and uh, are putting money into the game. You know what I mean? I think there will always be people that will be buying the game. I think it's just a a lesser more issue. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. I mean, like you, you got to think like you know, Magic community is pretty smart. You know, if you if you talk at least, I feel like in the legacy community for sure which I'm more prone to just talk about and consider is that yeah. they, a lot of these people have jobs that, you know, are decent or, mm-hmm. or really good. Um, it's a game that takes a lot of, you know, you have to be together. You have to be intelligent. And there's a lot of people out there like that. And no matter how the economy changes, these people will be out there more or less. Um, it's it's a shame if the economy goes bad and less people are in the game, you know, and it, it will it can and has a big chance of happening, but uh I feel like magic is will always have, you know, a community of people that will be spending money on the game, you know. It's I think that I think that sort of impact is more prevalent in like standard, you know, and limited. I mean, like, Legacy doesn't grow 100 miles an hour at any point, you know? Like, that's kind of what Eternal formats do. They, they, they move slow in, like, every regard. Like, the card hits the pool, and it's, like, I remember when Dig Through Time came out, there were just so many people that just had no faith in the card. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was insane, you know? Because I, I felt like the card was just absolutely insane. Like, it was just nuts. Like, I couldn't even believe it was a card. And, like, people were like, I don't know. And I remember, like, going, like, it's just basically the omniscient phase, you know, just, like, the whole meta was just upside down. Like, it was a really bad time. But 
I remember making decks that are just to fight omniscience with like four Teagues and four spiritual labyrinths and just like every like four chokes main board, you know, just like yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember I was, that deck. I, 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 I was just like walking, oh, yeah, I was just walking into omniscience and you know and like, but yeah, like dig through time was like kind of one of those engine cards that you know did it. Oh yeah, Get back Jerry. Back. Welcome back, Jerry. I didn't think my absence would be missed. Oh, yeah. We're like, hey, Jerry, what do you think? Crickets, yeah, big, crickets. Big I think, I think Jerry... Just for Jerry, since he mentioned this other topic, Jerry, I got this question for you. Jerry thinks he needed another mint julep. That's what Jerry thinks. Oh, Jerry never told us either. That was awesome. Thanks for your talent. Uh, <laughs> hey, as part of my contract, I get three... Mixed drinks of my choice per episode. <laughs> yeah, you, you can bring the bar next to your computer. That's yeah, cool. That's true. I should I should do that. But I think that's a sign. That's a sign when you <laughs> when you move to the bar next to your computer. <laughs> yeah, the fact that you have to get up like and walk ten feet to get your drinks means you're, you don't have a problem. <laughs> well, mostly it's because I use I use an old fashioned Boston shaker. Um, so none of that like target like with shakers with the strainer on the end. Those are garbage. You use an old fashioned Boston sh- shaker, which is essentially just two cups of slightly different sizes, so they clasp together, and then you shake the drink that way. And no. sometimes they just fuse together through the power of suction, and physics just doesn't want them to let go. So I was just struggling for a bit in my kitchen. You gotta use the bottom of your palm. Kind of going like upwards and hit like yep. the rim of the glass. Oh, yep. right. oh baby, right. just like that. Yep. Just like that. Actually, the, the best the best kind of shaker is you use the bottom half of like a conventional shaker, like a stainless shaker, and the top half you use like like the other pint glass as a as a Boston shaker. Mm-hmm. Those are those are the best shakers to use. Yeah, well, I was gonna say you just find a kid that's candy flipping. Oh my god, <laughs> Jesus, Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> So what was the epic question that you asked me that I wasn't here to answer? Oh, jeez. What the hell did you say now? You uh, said... You, no, no, you, Jerry, it said something about... Um, you were talking, talking about... about the saturation how, point, Thank yeah. you, Pat. <laughs> Jerry, you were talking about the saturation point being where... Uh, based on population. And I was curious what your impression was as far as the saturation point being based on um, the ability in the economy of people to have the expendable income. Oh, yeah, I can totally see that being um, a saturation point as well because, I mean, as sad as it is to play, you know, if families can't afford to feed, you know, themselves, they probably can't afford anything for extra expenses like magic. And, you know, yeah, there's great, there's lots of great programs and, and, you know, I always hear about people starting like after school uh, magic communities for, you know, less privileged kids and I think that's a great way to get outreach, but I mean, the sheer fact of it is, is like, we're not expecting those kids to put together a legacy deck, you know, probably, sure. probably not even expecting them to put together a modern, a standard deck, you know, right. they basically, their choices are like, you know, draft leftovers. Now, Pat, are you still there? Did we drop Pat? Oh, I'm here, I'm here. Okay, so, off of what Jerry said... Uh, would you would you buy the your next dual land or feed your kids? I mean, I would, <laughs> <laughs> I, would I would get like some uh, some like ramen. You See, know, he's like, gonna... <laughs> you gotta make it work, man. Dude, trust. Hey, I like you know I've I've been buying into legacy. I wouldn't say really hard, but pretty like aggressively the last ten for months or so. Or, yeah, yeah, for what you got. You going. know, yeah. So I I it's yeah it's it's doable. You know, it's just I mean I I'm also lucky enough to have. 
you know, I come from a two-income household. Like, I have a good job. My wife has a good job. So we it's not like... You also, yeah, so, you know, Saturday so nights you spend it on the street corner and you pull in a little extra money that way. And, you know, well, hey, man. You're not proud of yourself in the morning, but... Some, some of the guys <laughs> like it shaking, not stirring. <laughs> hey, hey, listen, listen. Listen, 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 listen. Hey, blowjob's still a job. Right? <laughs> Jesus. We're never getting that G-rated, are we? We are doing so good on this episode. <laughs> the title right there, a blowjob is still a job. Oh, God. We're never going to be Disney approved. <laughs> um, um, but what I was uh, going back to what you were saying before, Evan, about if the dual lands have been printed at Mythic, what that made me think, what I thought you were saying is, what if the dual lands were reprinted in Eternal Masters at Mythic? What would that do to the prices of dual lands? That'd be beautiful. No, it would cause dual land prices to skyrocket. Look at the price of Tarmogoyf when Tarmogoyf was reprinted. The prices would go up. Prices would go way up because you open an underground sea in your Eternal Masters pack, guess what? Now you're like, oh, uh, four was out of reach, but three is totally doable. And and now you have people who open up one card wanting three more. Yeah, but there's going to be people who are opening Eternal Masters who have no interest in getting into legacy or getting into you know what i mean like it doesn't matter it just it's still outweighs look at the if you look at tarmogoyf what it's price did after I, after modern masters one came out it caused Mo, tarmogoyf's price to go up right well because here's the thing all right so like each store gets 48 boxes at the very most right so your store gets 48 boxes like at mythic and 10 different dual lands like how many like four of sets are going to come out of those 48 boxes. like, And then how many people are going to start playing Legacy? It's probably about time Plateau has a price increase. Plateau is sick. <laughs> Plateau, it did. It went from, it, it jumped like 40 bucks. It was one of the biggest increases of all the duels because it had so much to gain. Hey man, it, it had like doubled in price. <laughs> my Badlands looking like a pretty good investor. Oh right my now, guys. god. Yeah, so I know. <laughs> I just, I just picked up a Badlands last week. I know, though. I know we just preached about how much we hate this and all this, but I still have to say, uh, you know, it's, it's hard not to enjoy it a little when it affects you is the meditates I got. I got meditate for stasis. It was a bulk rare at 50 cents. And they're fifty dollars now because that's how stupid this is. But yeah. you know what? I'm I'm also not complaining that I bought these for fifty cents. Another fifty dollars. As much well, as yeah, it, yeah, as much as I know it's bad, I'm I'm a bad person. I just can't. It's not. No, it's <laughs> incidentally, you were buying them for a deck. You were buying them to use. You weren't buying them to spec on. You know. Yeah, yeah but the whole, well, the whole thing about the price of the credits, it's irrelevant unless he sells it. Right, and like I, I'm not gonna sell my cards. Like I'm fine with getting buried with my cards and cremated with my cards. <laughs> like that's I like fine, how you changed you know? it to cremated because then you're like, huh? I don't want to be the first ever case of magic related grave robbing. <laughs> oh what the God. hell did I see the other day? I saw something the the other day that said like, no matter what you have, no matter how much you acquire, you can't take it with you. And then like the next fucking photo was a picture of the pyramid saying, really, peasant? It was like the most fucked up shit. That's good. That's good. The Vikings just put all their shit on a, like a boat, all their shit in a boat and just like floated out and burned it. I know, the Vikings... We might get a tusk pyramid because all the tusks will be buried in there with their cards. Mm. That's, that's, that's what it would say in two. It was like everybody's grave is the same size. And then there's a pyramid going, really? <laughs> so, so speaking of that, this is kind of a tangent, but I thought it was funny anyways. Uh, if... Curtis, friend of the cast, uh, Enchantress player, had him on a couple weeks ago. He works as a uh, a zoning 
uh, person in a, in a city in, in uh, Massachusetts. So he works on the zoning board. And he discovered a graveyard that was like zoned for commercial purposes. So it's his goal to actually construct a pyramid because it would be a legal structure in the graveyard. That would be sweet. Yeah. <laughs> uh. So, uh, I guess getting back on topic of... <laughs> The finance. You don't stuff. think pyramids are on topic? <laughs> oh, I love I love pyramid from Arabian Nights. Yeah, <laughs> played a twelve post. Hell yeah, Just flavor on people. Um, so flavor on people. There's one one thing that I definitely thought was interesting that probably deserves a little bit of talking about would be uh, Star City Games and Power Nine series, which basically was like you know. It's a vintage tournament that had some mirroring to Legacy, you know, where you're running out of Star City Games headquarters, Chicago, uh, Denver, California, 100, 150 players typically, you know, going for like Power Nine, you know, and playing vintage, you know. This is kind of like the earlier days of Star City Games or whatnot. At the beginning, like, power was, like I kind of mentioned earlier on the cast, like, power was, you know, at the $300 range. Um, and then, like, basically what happened is towards the end, when they had shut it down because power had gotten so expensive, like, Black Lotus had gotten to about $1,000 at that point, um, which I believe was, like, 2009. Um, and so, like, with the duels, the blue duels... And I kind of mentioned this on on the forum you guys have was that if they rise to like a four hundred dollar cash value, like it's it's getting really close to mocks, like some of the moxes, you know. Right. Like I can get like I can get like a white mox or green mox or a red mox. Yeah. You know, for like five fifty range, you know, no more than six fifty. But if I was, you know, is that like unlimited? So the so so like so, the foreign ones are already at that level then. Oh yeah, right. So. And, 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 you know, so you kind of have this, like, parallel there, you know, where that's kind of, like, what I'm curious about is I think there's a lot kind of tied into what they print in Eternal Masters. I think it's important that they they swing pretty hard with reprints um, because, I mean, if, if we get enough reprints, the, these small spikes that we're seeing and even some more spikes will get leveled out by the reprints that we see because there's not a ton of reserve list cards in Legacy outside of the dual lands, you know, cards like Gaia's Cradle, Lion's Eye Diamond, etc. City Traders. Um, so if, if they can hit it hard enough, it'll be a really big plus. But if we see blue duels, etc., get to such high heights, I think I think it is concerning. You know, I think the positive to it is that people will brew non-blue. You know, like you will have more, mm-hmm. you know, more people interested in fighting off blues. You'll probably see choke go up quite a bit. Yeah, I, what I'm afraid of that though is that it may cause some resentment and almost a pay-to-win type attitude, 
where exactly. well, that's what I'm afraid of. Because if you exactly. have that much disparity between prices, that that's a real danger. Well, I mean, that's, that already happens, doesn't it? I mean, isn't that why it, standard it, players don't want to play Legacy? It, I mean, it does. Because they get under the impression that you have to play Miracles or you have to play well, Shardless Bug. Yeah, because they're such grinders. Like, you know, like they they want, like Standard has this, this culture of, you know, having the best deck. Right. Right. And, like, that kind of, like, entitles you to basically win. Right. Under- under their thought process. Because that's how standard operates, but it's affordable in standard. Well, I wouldn't even say it's affordable, but it's it's doable in standard. I mean, and that's another interesting thing where, you know, you see pr- these prices changing, you know, onto this point where when the vintage, when the vintage series was going, like, the pot price of power is like what the dual lands are right now, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, and then you, you look at, like, modern is now the price of what Legacy used to be a long time ago. Not even a long time ago, actually. I take that back. Like, like, some like years two ago. years, like, two, like three two, years. Two, three years ago. Right. So modern right now is the price of what Legacy was two, three years ago. And Legacy is now the price of what Legacy was when, you know, the Vintage series was going. And Standard is now pretty much the price of what modern used to be. And it's, and it's first arrival where you have now, you know, 700 to a thousand dollar decks. Right. Standard, you know, to quote unquote win. So we're kind of in an age, you know, in, in all this conversation is that we're kind of now in this age where it's like more important than ever to be a savvy buyer, like in today's market. Cause it, it's really hard to fight these buyouts at this point. You know, um, you don't know who's, fully behind them. There's definitely some people that claim to them. Then, you know, it's a question if there's dealers involved as well. I mean, you have things like who's, do people see God books? You know, are there pro players that are testing these things before they come out and they have knowledge? You know, are there, uh, there's just, there's so much going on now as far as like these reprints coming out. You just have to be so savvy in this, you know? And I think that's like the biggest takeaway is like, Really being on top of it and holding on to your cards, because um, a lot of these cards are spiking out of nowhere, and it's like kind of like where you just want to sit back in the bomb shelter while like everything's exploding, and, like hold on to your valuables, because um, like there's a lot of there's a lot of gains for people that do want to play Legacy now, you know, with modern cards. Like there's been it's hard to hear a lot of people complain about prices, reprints or whatnot with all the, you know. People have been making a killing with these modern prices spiking, I know. And I know, like, it's pretty similar with Legacy. And the problem is, is like, yeah, that complaining is coming from people that are gaining from it. And the issue is, is that we have players that are trying to get into the format that are going to have problems. Um, and the, the thing is, like, in, in our community is that we, like, we have people that have come in, you know, like, starting with, like, like, goblins or merfolk or whatnot. And, they get through it, you know, we have, we have a strong, strong meta and, you know, players that are very passionate about it and, you know, some of these players get through it and they love the format and they buy, they start buying more real estate and get more invested into it. But, you know, the problem is, is when we start scaring away those people that kind of put their toes in. Yeah. Um, 
Well, it, it's yeah. it's true also that one of the best ways to get someone dedicated to a format and really enjoy format and stick with it is for that player to surround themselves with bet- players that are better and more entrenched than them. Because you have that that thing right in front of you that you can aspire to. Oh, I want to get a good, as good as that local player who's the best in the shop. And, oh, I want to get that you know great deck that that player's playing because it looks so much fun. Well, yeah, and there's guys around me that are also as invested. Right. You know, I'm not, I'm not this one guy. Exactly. That's like totally invested in this thing by myself, and I'm starting to feel unsure about myself or something. Where versus being around guys who are kind of veterans mm-hmm. that basically have collections that smoke hashtag MTG Finance guys, you know, just from rewards of actually staying in the game. Right. You know. Because if, if you just hang in there and hold on to your cards, you just magic rewards you. Wow. It just, That's just how the game kind of works. It just blows my mind just how similar magic is, like magic finance over the years is to the same to the regular stock market. Because this is also an argument that happens on the stock market all the time, where it's the buy and hold investors versus the speculative traders, and there it's very much two camps in the regular stock market and I just see a complete mirror image of it in the in the magic finance market. That's real interesting. And the buy and hold investors are the ones that come out ahead <laughs> time and time again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Well, there's no I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking I'm like so I don't here's know the, that you can buy options on magic cards. Uh, apparently well, now you actually can. So, how does this work? So, there's a, a new group that's come out. They only do standard and modern decks. But it's a, a rent-a-deck company. Uh, yeah, that's not buying options. Well, let me finish. So the rent-a-deck company uh, allows you to pay them to borrow the cards and to theoretically use them in tournaments. What's important about this is for anyone who knows about short-selling and options contracts, you can use this as a way to... Uh, make a bunch of money. I don't even know if I should go into this because I'm afraid of putting this out there. But yeah, this is a little, <laughs> a little dicey. I know where you're going. With this, yeah, exactly. Because theoretically, you could make your own options contract. You can use this company. You can rent the same deck that has a key card. Because that's the other thing is you can rent individual cards from them. Uh-huh. So you can rent a whole bunch of. Uh, of the same card, and if the price goes up, you can sell it and, you know, replace it with something else and basically try and time the market, like right before a tournament or right after a tournament, and you can use it as a way to get in early before, uh, you know, any price spikes happen. And then if the price spikes don't happen, you get to return them for free. So you're gonna, so is this, is this really happening? People are renting no, it, decks. Oh, are people renting decks? Yes, that site actually okay, so, does exist. All right, now that site does not mark their cards. Uh, I don't believe there was nothing on the website on it that I said that I saw caused them to mark their cards because why would they? I'm sure they also want to turn over old yeah. inventory that they're not using anymore. Why would they make a card heavy played? Well, well, no, not heavy played. What I'm talking about is like. When you, what a top eight draft of a Grand Prix stamps their cards. Right. And if it comes from a top eight draft of a Grand Prix, that's uh, a great thing that some people love collecting. But if right. it's so just some random. small little stamp on it that says rent a deck? If you if your if someone's daughter took one of her Princess Peach stamp sets and stamps your underground sea, do you think that's going to increase or decrease the value of your underground sea? Decrease. Exactly. So the same thing with so, these companies. If they mark the cards, that would decrease the value of their assets. No company's sure. going to want to do that. 
No, but the the asset has produced its own income to compensate that by renting itself out. But yeah, the, but not nearly as much as like the the individual pieces worth. Right. Really? Like okay. So then, okay. All right. Tell me what Stoneforge Mystic was worth at rotation. No, Adrian, you're going completely off topic. Think about it this way: if you it's own standard. a construction, has nothing to do with the if you own a construction rotation. company and you have a dump truck and you decide you want to make sure that you never lose that dump truck and you paint it bright fucking pink <laughs> so you don't it's, lose that dump truck and then it's a, two and then a year later when you want to upgrade and sell that dump truck it's not going to be a problem that you have a bright pink dump truck that you're trying to sell <laughs> no because it's an expendable no it's still assets Adrian. no company is going to willingly deface their cards that are worth money <laughs> i like defacing cards yes <laughs> <laughs> One thing that uh, Greg Krager brought up to me from the tax men was that, like, he felt like magic cards were less volatile than the stock market. Mm-hmm. Like, he felt like his his investment in his cards. Well, they are. He, Listen he, to he Jerry's mentioned... financial theory. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he said he was able. To <laughs> it's not mine. It's Forbes. <laughs> he said he was able to live a full year and a half well off of his cards, mm-hmm. and he he mentioned, you know, that he could go to different cities and just sell his cards instantly. You know, and and they just they hold their value. He's bringing up percentages and et cetera. Are you saying magic cards are a great way to launder money? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I just found it interesting. <laughs> yeah, that, like we're we're in this age, right? You know, like it's another thing of just like how this game has just changed so much. Like it's, it's actually it's it's a cardboard game for children. You know, <laughs> no, like, hey, hey, it was always meant for college students. So children in the pursuit of higher education. True. That's, well, that's it, was meant, it was meant for it was meant for D and D players. Yeah. It was, it was, it was a pocket it was a pocket sized D and D game in, in, in a quick flash. Right. Yep. It was meant to be played like in between games of Dungeons and Dragons. Right. Like kind of like a warm up or something. Yeah. Exactly. Really? Okay. I, I really need to get my stretches in before we go on a dungeon raid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I mean. Yeah. Get your armor polished, you know. But there's, there's a, it, the buyout thing is really interesting. I mean, it's, I personally don't care for it at all. I think it's terrible for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are risks, I guess, these people are taking. Greg had brought up, like, there's a lot of strikeouts, like, Bosium Strip was a card that he named that he, like, you know, mentioned the graph of it going up and down and yep. people investing into it and failing, you know, et cetera. But, um, I think overall, if you just buy out a card, you know, and you're relying on price memory and these algorithms to yeah. report back to these sites, like it's well, it, it has like a little bit of a devious kind of like oil baron feeling to it. Well, that that's the problem is it's an unregulated market. Like I see the right. things some people do in the magic market, and if I saw that in my everyday job, I'd be like, "Yep, we're calling the police." That right. is not okay. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Exactly. So. Uh, so that I mean that's why we have these regulations because it creates dangerous circumstances and that's kind of what we're coming close to, and all we have is wizards as uh, the regulatory body, who purposely wants to take a hands-off approach to any of the secondary market aspects. Yeah. Um, I mean, we'll just have to see what happens. Yeah. You know, we're definitely in a new age of magic. Yeah. Uh, just where I think there's more responsibility on the player. Yeah. Uh, Fortunately or unfortunately. Right. Uh, but the secondary market does, you know, it does help the game, you know. Um, as crazy as that sounds, is it brings out more vendors, um, pushes for more tournaments, and there is some substance uh, to the idea that 
people want their cards to be worth money and to retain value. But yeah, I, I personally, I personally do not care. I just, you know, want to sit and look at my Juzoms and Miss Aaron Deebs and mm-hmm. uh, my FBFs. Just like if you love the game, you just hold on to your cards and enjoy them, you know, and uh, it pays off in the long run. Uh, trying to be, you know, the guy who makes all the big specs, etc., then, you know, that's your prerogative, but there is some damage being done, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've gone through rough times before. We've uh, we'll go through them again. It's uh, it's nothing we haven't gone through before. Uh, Agreed. Yeah. It'll uh, it'll be interesting to see where things come. Well, I guess. Uh, did anyone actually play any magic this week? <laughs> I forget. <laughs> I don't think I did. No. I think I just got more cards. Nice. I'm getting a lot of cards for somebody who doesn't play any fucking magic. (laughs) 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 Fucking stupid. Good. Uh, What about you, Evan? You play? Yeah, yeah, I've been playing. Uh, I mean, I typically play about twice a week. Um, I mean, sometimes more, you know, just depends. Like, sometimes I'll hit a couple locals and then hit, like, a tournament, like, KC, South Carolina. South Carolina's got a cool scene, and Charlotte's got one going on, there's that legacy series, and then we have our own stuff. So sometimes I'll do three or four, but nice. Um, what, what have you been running lately? Uh, I've been uh, running twelve post for the most part. Nice. Played in the Atlanta Classic. I was it's a little bummed. I actually was in. I was in the. I was in good runnings. I was thirteenth uh, in, in the final round, and. I got completely annihilated by D and T. God, D is my biggest nemesis. I hate that so much. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I lost brutally to that, and I actually had gotten paired down to play him. Um, he had a tie where I had a win, and uh, took me down to like twenty eighth or twenty seventh or something. So I was hoping to get twelve posts on the top sixteen if I would have won that match, um, but I still. Yeah, well, I got like seventy five bucks or something, but it's still it, kind of kind of a bummer. But yeah, I was watching you. I was watching you on stream one night too, Evan. Are you would play in twelve post. Are you still playing Teferi's response? Uh you know, I, I that do shit it was times. awesome. Yeah, I got him pretty good. I think I got him on camera. Yeah, like he, yeah, that was pretty pivotal play. There. Hey, what is yeah, what is Teferi's response to? I uh, like well, tell, it's really good against what happened. Yeah, tell him what happened. Yeah, so I mean like it, he had kinda like locked me out, you know, in game one plans, you know, just you know, he got me in the prison and then uh sideboarded in a couple Tafari responses and um I think you were I, I, the port. I think he kept port Yeah, I, 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 I had one in hand and I was like, Alright, so I was like, it's go time, you know, and uh he drops port, you know. I I go to Tropical Island, he drops port. Um, uh, and then I drop, uh, fetch, I believe, and then he goes to his turn, draws, passes, goes to upkeep, tries to port me down, um, spawn fetch into basic, and then, uh, cast fire's response, um, which, if you are, if your land is targeted, um, basically what happens is, is that, that targeting, the, the land that's targeting your land is destroyed. Oh, yes. 
Yeah, by and his speller abilities. Yeah, by his speller and activated ability. Um, and then you draw two cards as well. How much does this cost? Uh, one colorless, one blue. So it's basically counter-target Wasteland, draw two cards. Well, or port. Or port. Or port, okay. So this was, it was just port. Fucking yeah. awesome. It's really good. It's really nice against lands, and I was anticipating And it's lands. one colorless, one blue. I may have to get a couple of those. It was awesome. It was yeah, awesome. it's brutal. The fact that it says draw two cards on it. Well, and it annihilates their lands. Yeah. And it's just, like, totally, well, like, the fact, this, the fact that it was, like, a one colorless, one blue stone rain stifle, uh, and then the another that it just draws two cards right off the bat. Yeah, like, which is really good for twelve posts. I mean, that's like that's kind of a that's a pretty sweet kind of thing to happen for that deck. I guess it was but so good. I've been playing. Um, I've actually been. I I I have three candles. Uh, I just picked up my third one recently, and so I wanted to start trying the mono green build. Um, basically, I like really latched onto the blue green build just to kind of like it's kind of like the foundation to the deck. Um, I just kind of want to like get a stronger handle on the mechanics and look at what other people are doing and test up for myself, you know, figure out what I, what I believe in and what I don't. Um, so now I kind of, I feel like kind of understand, understand some of like the weaknesses, the pros and cons of the deck. Um, so we kind of, now I can kind of venture out, I feel like. So I've, I've tested with the mono green build, which is very different. It's more like a colorless build, mm-hmm. um, a little bit of green to it. Um, but, one I've been really working with now is black green, just because I I love Bayou like more than like my you know Beta Bayou is like Bayou's the, the the land for me. Um, and the problem was with the blue green build was that I really wanted like a Taxium probe, you know, like something where I could like the deck is so it has like a lot of utility it has like multiple decks inside of one. It's like this. Swiss Army knife and understanding the lines that you have to take with the deck are so important. Like understanding your matchup because there's just so much like live or die with the 12 post deck. And so I really felt like, you know, not being able to see your opponent's hand is just really like, it's really a downside to the deck and there's absolutely no slots available for like, you know, four of like that. With a black green version, there's a lot, of, like, the other thing was too is like counter magic is pretty important for that deck, but you can't do too much counter magic. Like, I personally, I know there's, a, there's schools that believe in like force of will for 12 posts, but I feel like it's just, there's not enough blue cards typically, like, and just ditching a card. Like, force of will is obviously a total necessary card, but it's pretty bad in a lot of situations for a lot of decks. And 12 posts is one of the decks that really takes it when it casts Force of Will. Just doesn't have the cards to lose, typically, either. Um, but, so, like, I, I always kind of had this theory, like, you know, versus counter magic is discard, you know, which almost kind of has a similar effect to your opponent. And so, like, kind of, like, want to work with, like, you know, like the Nick Fit engine with 12 posts, essentially. And I kind of was, like, brewing on it. Um, after I'd like, you know, worked with like a lot of like Titania sort of decks, so I was really on for a while. But and uh, there's, there's some guy that kind of started a thread on it, which was interesting on the source. Um, some things I liked and didn't like about the builds that I was reading there. But um, there's a lot of advantage to Cabal Therapy 
There's a lot of advantage to basic lands for the post engine. So, especially, you know, with like a lot of like wasteland blood moon, and especially, you know, with like eternal masters now, I feel like 12 post really has to be careful with wastelands being in the meta. But like with Nick Fit engine, you know, you're able to get basics online quick, which, you know, prompts you into green sun, which prompts you into fast titans. And just completely seeing, you know, your opponent's line, its threats, and removing threats. I think there's a lot of legs there. And, like, especially, like, Thought Knots here, I think is real interesting in that sort of build. Um, just because, and I'm, I'm throwing in a couple extra Thought Seizes for more information. So it's, it's really just ripping their hand apart while you're just, cause like, kind of what 12 Post does is it kind of sits and drops lands and kind of has a little bit of control to it. And some of them are kind of like hoping for some sort of show-and-tell play, baiting show-and-tell into their opponent, or just, boom, show-and-tell, like an ape, you know. <laughs> but the, 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 the deck usually works on, you know, on, on building, on, on building something that's to be executed, you know, towards a certain point in the game, which just completely switches the whole game around, you know. Like, it's very common to play post and, be it like, you know, three life and completely the game has changed and your opponent's scratching his head like, what the fuck just happened, you know? Um, and I think there's a lot more possibility with uh, the black-green version in a lot of ways. So I'm testing that right now. Um, so that's kind of what I've been playing recently. Um, but, you know, I'm not sure what I'm going to get into next. Like, my next big events are going to be Eternal Weekend. There's a lot of guys from Atlanta going up to Philly. Um, there's, like, I think, like, five from Team Tusk. Um, I think there's one or two going from Team Food Court. Uh, I think there's, like, I believe Rosenblade, Greg Krager, and Humphreys, and Iman, uh, all, uh, Iman from Cairo, a.k.a. Iman Nemesis from the Taxmen. Well, I'll be there. Um, so it should be cool. Um, I'm going to miss that, but I'm expecting a lot of Eldrazi. That's something maybe we could talk about too. But um, for my next big event, I'm not sure what I'm going to play. Like Columbus, I'm definitely going to as well. So for those events, I'll probably either have this deck ironed out better or pick up something a little more serious um, and see how that plays. At the Atlanta Classic, actually, before in the side event, I played the Eldrazi Stompy because it was... Like, literally, the set came out that Thursday and then, you know, went to SCG on Saturday and played with it. It was a lot of fun. And actually, Greg Krager, the guy I've mentioned a few times on this podcast, played with it in the Classic, and I think he got, like, 20th. Um, but the the deck is... It's, it, there's people here playing it right now, the Eldrazi Stompy um, in Atlanta, and it's doing. Yeah, I've heard it's been doing, doing pretty, pretty well. well. Yeah, I've heard it's. Yeah, so it's take, that's it, another. It deck. took down a couple one Ks uh, this weekend. Yeah, that's another deck that I'm interested in. I just I like Stompy <laughs> variants, and the deck is brutal. And I, yeah, I like brutal. I actually saw at the uh, event I was at this weekend uh, the classic debate. It was uh, Eldrazi Stompy versus Mud. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's interesting, you know, because like my comparison of that deck is to Mud. Where personally at this moment, I, I feel like Mud's better. Um, 
but I think there's like the question breaks down to like consistency. You know, I, I like it as like another entry deck for the format. Like it's right up there yeah. with like Burn and Dredge and um, Char Belcher and these decks that people can easily put together, especially if they already have it built in in uh, modern. I think it, as soon as they ban it in modern, we're gonna get a pretty big influx of players into Legacy from all the people who built this deck. And all it takes for them to transfer it over to be Legacy playable is some ancient tombs, and if they can afford it, the City of Traders. That's really the big money card in the deck. Yeah, I mean the interesting now. thing. <laughs> yeah, well it is now exactly. I mean it was always fifty dollars, but now it's a hundred and twenty or whatever it is. One thing I was mentioning, I was talking to some of the guys from Team Tusk was like, there's two big Miracles players that are really into Elder Hussey Stompy. Philip Braverman and Philip um, uh, Phil and Phil. Schoenonger, I think his name, last name is. Phil and Phil. The two Philips, like the two best, basically the best Miracles guys. Mm-hmm. Um, two guys that, you know, are very well known for playing the deck extremely well. Kind of the schools. Yeah. Miracles, basically. Um, and, like, in my opinion, I, I would imagine, like, a, a very stern Miracles player would be one of the first people to brush this deck off. Yeah. As a deck that's just, I don't care about that, you know? So I found it kind of interesting that they're so enthralled in it, and there's been a lot of feedback on the builds as far as being pretty strong. Um, I know uh, Jeff Boohooglin... Uh, Got really upset with modern. Yeah, <laughs> has crawled that's best, back. That's the best nickname for that guy, by the way. Sorry, <laughs> he's crawled back to legacy um, and has picked up Eldrazi Stompy actually. Um, and he recently reported he was nine and one with the deck. Yeah, and he only lost in the mirror. But I, I, I think the MTGO meta is a little different in paper. Right, and it's also the shock value. People aren't used to playing against it. They don't know the correct exactly. lines. As soon as people learn the deck a bit more, like Eldrazi can't do in Legacy what it can do in in Modern. Like, right. yeah, we're used to those fast start starts. We have this thing called Sneak and Show. <laughs> it's like nice five three. Yeah. Here's a fifteen fifteen on pretty much the same clock. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say right now. You know. It, it, it has a lot of weapons. It has a lot of hate. Yep. Um, I think Thought, other, Thought Not Seer is probably one of the biggest strengths that deck has. It's really powerful. Right. It, it has a lot of power. It has a lot of power in different realms. But it's, it's like, you know, like I question not only is Mud, is Metalworker, you know, Mud better, but I mean, also, Elves not just a better aggro plan. Right. Like is, well, I think it's it's going to suffer this. Infect not better. It's going to suffer the same problem that all these aggro decks have. You know, uh, affinity, metal worker, mud. Is that they don't really have the best way to filter their deck, and consistency is what kills them. Yes, they may be the favorite when they get that good start, but it's hard to get that good start. You know, seven rounds in a row. Right, right, right. Yeah, and so. the deck loses to itself. Same thing with Sneak and Show. Sneak and Show's biggest enemy most times is itself. You know, you. I think any, any, any. Well, just to touch your point is mm-hmm. like any deck that's running Soul Lands. Yeah. is going to have issue. Exactly. You know, just it, being clunky. Yeah, your deck feels so lumpy because you either get the all Soul Lands hand and nothing to do with it, or all the threats and no way to cast them. Right. Me tin fins. <laughs> it reminds me a lot of Legacy decks. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, but I mean, I, I would I would be surprised if we are not seeing Eldrazi at any extent at, yeah. in Philadelphia. And 
There's definitely at least one player that I'm thinking of that does very well at legacy tournaments that might come out of nowhere with Eldrazi and do extremely well. Yeah. You know? I think I'm, uh, I'm putting together Shardless Bug. Uh, I just uh, bought a couple off one of our listeners, uh, so Joel sold me some. So I'm going to put that deck together and check it off my legacy buddy list. Nice. Yeah. Good deck. Yep. Strong. Yeah, I, I fun as hell too. <laughs> I got really frustrated with aggro loam this weekend. I uh I just could not get my mana correct. That's that's a huge problem with that deck is that being a four color deck without blue, uh you can get color screwed pretty often. Yeah. Um I ended up losing to burn, which was the biggest salt in the wound. <laughs> mm, always. Oh then you're really gonna not like shardless bug. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not you don't play Shardless Bug because you want to beat the burn player in the room. I mean, I'm <laughs> No, but you're going to hate you're going to hate losing to burn playing Shardless. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. I mean, I hate play I hate losing to burn no matter what deck I play. Cuz yeah, I, I basically you probably have a better chance with almost anything else. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Aggro Loam is pretty hard in that. <laughs> okay. But um but yeah, so that was just the salt in the wound. So, I'm going to put Aggro Loam back on the shelf. Uh, and uh, try some of Charlotte's Bug. I was actually thinking about maybe playing Tinfins at this uh, local event this weekend, uh, the Wormwood Tournament, because mm. just maybe show up and surprise some people with some, some Grizzle Brands. Oh, you should yeah. play Thrills. I'll play Thrills. Yes. <laughs> and you can be the champion. Yes, I'm the champion. Play Necrite. Um, yeah. Um, well, speaking of events, actually, I finally remembered uh, to shout these uh, out. We had a few more weekly events spring up, so just to let people know about it. Yeah, but you put them on a Facebook well, page, Well, not right? everyone's part of the Facebook group, Adrian. Yeah, but not everybody's even in the fucking U.S. Oh, my God. P- please. It's... <laughs> So, There's not even anybody who listens. It's time to go to bed. Oh, my God, Adrian. you got to help support the legacy format, man. And part of that's... Tell him, Evan. Tell him the importance of letting people know about events. It's very important. <laughs> Thank Evan, you. See, listen to the man. <laughs> anyway, so the Wiz in... Terry just likes to hear himself. Oh, my God. So the Wiz <laughs> in Westboro <laughs> is doing Wednesday night at 6. Yep. They, and Well, I don't know. I was going to go do that tonight, yep. but... Uh, I mean, I'm here instead, yeah. which is okay, because I'm actually not sure if they're still doing it, because they've been doing it for a while, but they do it with proxies. No, they just they just restarted it, is the thing. So they're doing with it or without proxies. Uh, ten ten proxy limit. Okay, so then they are doing it. Yep. So they're restarting it with a ten proxy limit, ten dollar entry, and then also Phyrexian Games in Fitchburg, which I really like that store. They're starting a new monthly tournament, uh, mm-hmm. uh, two hundred dollar minimum prize, and then. Uh, oh really? So we're gonna go over all the weeklies every week? No, that we, those are the only right, two. We got ice inputs. Oh my god, those are the only two new ones. Chill oh, out, Adrian. All right. <laughs> oh my god, you gotta let people know about events so they can go to them. So well, anybody we, over we in got, California, got, you have absolutely no interest. Well, in the whole last they get to be jealous if they want. You know, anyone if you if you have an event in Sweden and you want us to hype it, let us know and we'll hype it. These are I'm working with what I got, man. Yeah, I mean, like we get we we got people at our Atlanta tournament that definitely traveled like within the southeast, and I think like you know your podcast, you know, it's like the most consistent legacy podcast out there, and I think you guys get more listeners than the other legacy podcasts as far as like people who don't actually play legacy and have interest in the format. Mm-hmm. Um, which is really important. And then I just think this your podcast probably gets the most listeners in general as oh, you, being the most consistent. You're making us blush. Um, so it's important 
I feel like she definitely, you know, taking consideration. There's a good amount of people listening. There's probably people listening, you know, in some parts around California. And if there was a tournament sure. over there, they might go, you know. Yeah. yeah. I'm pumped. But, but, I'm pumped. I'm going to yeah, go. But this usually, okay. I, I just got to imagine that they got a, a better resource to for their local legacy podcast than, like, fucking three guys in Massachusetts. Oh, Adrian, you're so pessimistic. Well, I mean, I'm not I, pessimistic. You ever listen to fucking, oh, my God. You ever accidentally <laughs> listen to a commercial that's fucking for something that... You ever, oh, here's a perfect example, Jerry. You ever watch cable and you end up with a Sonic commercial? Yeah, and you know what? Show me a fucking it, Sonic. It makes me want to go to fucking Sonic like no stop. So when I'm driving down South Carolina and I see a Sonic on the end of the road, I'm cutting across four lanes to hit the exit because I want some goddamn Sonic because it's been pumped through my TV for the last three years. That's called advertising, good sir. Yeah, I've sir. never been to Sonic. <laughs> yeah, that's what's terrible, Jerry. Can't find it. Oh can't my find god! It. You should come back uh, down to the down to Atlanta, man. Yeah, at some point. Love to have you down here sometime. Yeah, one of my things I'm looking at doing next, I wanna, I wanna head back down to Tampa, and at some point we should probably even get you up here. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, definitely, man. Well, are you going to the, uh, the GP in Ohio? I am. I will be in Columbus for sure. And Eternal Weekend. Like, Eternal Weekend. Yeah, the next week. I'm excited, yeah, exactly. That's gonna be sweet. Uh, yeah, I wish they weren't so close together, yeah. but I'm hitting them both. I, I got it. Like, I, Eternal I, Weekend is just insane. I may just have to quit my job and then just get a new job. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I highly recommend Eternal Weekend, you know. And like, I highly recommend quitting your job. <laughs> and, and, and I think I may do that about, on Monday, spoilers. And one thing to mention about Eternal Weekend that I think there's some confusion on is that it is, like, Wizards sponsors that event. Like, that's a Wizards of the Coast event. Um, it's thrown by Card Titan as the TO, oh. mm-hmm. but Wizards of the like it, it, if you chain it like you look through it, Wizards of the Coast is fully in charge of that. You know, like if, if they want to just end Eternal Weekend, Wizards of the Coast can press the button tomorrow. Um, so that's something that a lot of people don't recognize. Um, that is 100% fact. Um, and hopefully, what we're looking towards this year is you know hopefully. Possibly some qualifiers for Eternal Weekend, so yeah. see how that all. That was the uh, that. the event I went to this weekend. It had qualifiers for Eternal Weekend as part of the prize. Yeah, so we're looking we're looking to hopefully have one of those down here in Atlanta. It's yeah, looking like so. It was it was an awesome event. Um, it was it was really fun. So I think it's important that people like you know consider writing into Wizards for. You know, like, hey, look at like you know, look at Eternal Weekend. Like the numbers doubled from last year. You know, like. Like, it was at, like, what, like, 350? Oh, sorry, the year previous from last year. It was at, like, 350 for Legacy, and then went up to 780 for Legacy, you know? And, like, Vintage also doubled. Like, Vintage was at, like, 400-something. So, I mean, the, there's people that want it, and if they decided to just go, hey, you know, we're going to take, like this card and just make a nice foil version of it. Wizards of the Coast prints it. It's, it only costs so much money. And they hand it out to like people that are, you know, like TOs or, you know, who like whoever they, they're trusted in or if they want to do some sort of bidding process or whatever where or they reward stores, you know, for throwing big legacy events and they say, here's, you know, you're having these big events for proving, you know, these qualifications. And here are these, like, special cards that we're printing, kind of like player rewards. And you can go ahead and throw some sick event with, you know, this 
very limited foil card, you know, and whatever else they decide to throw. And that can really pump up locals to a much higher level. Um, and outside of that, just having, you know, even one more sort of eternal weekend event or some sort of like regional qualifiers for eternal weekend, like a Southern edition an East coast edition, West coast edition, Northern edition, you know, where those buys are stacking up, um, or, you know, doing some sort of higher tier championship, you know, that it leads to, uh, I just think there's a lot of room for them to grow legacy tournament scene and not in super huge ways, but I definitely feel there's a middle ground between weekly SCG opens and eternal weekend. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, it's, it's definitely a time for the legacy, uh, scene because I've gone to more events this year than I did last year and more last year than I did the year before. Uh, so we, we definitely don't have any lack of choices. It's now more about kind of getting it together in a cohesive place um, that you know makes it more accessible to everyone, rather than this kind of patch patchwork of events that you kind of have to be in the know in order to find. Yeah, I think there's I think there's definitely an arena too for something besides MTG the Source, which is more of a, like a forum of like deck chatter and like a little bit of like like rumor or you know opinion theory discussion. Um. Something that definitely like channels in more on, you know, promoted sort of play articles on the format, mm-hmm. you know, like things that are more directed towards the crowd and, you know, in a more organized fashion than just like, you know, guys like us just posting, you know, where we can fit in, et cetera, you know, and kind of like try to spread the word, you know, like we have this grassroots kind of a stepping stone that we've been moving on to, but I feel like in the future there's room for kind of like a sort of database um, and then also something that brings legacy content and, you know, maybe the hook is a price guide and then you get people coming to check that and then they're reading legacy articles and, you know, these sort of things promote growth. So yeah. it was see what the future holds, but there's a, there's a lot of opportunity, I feel like, for the format to kind of just do its thing and just kind of grow at its own pace, and I feel like this is a good year for the format in general, and I think we're definitely going to get some more players, um, some modern players that are fed up, some curious modern players, some curious players in general, yeah, uh, some eternal masters, but no. you know... Some some people are drafting it, et cetera. So I think it's going to be a good year overall. Um, I'm definitely optimistic. Yeah, and like and like and like that was talked about earlier. Like even with these like price hikes, there's going to be there's going to be a lot of reprints this year, you know. And like when a lot of these cards that are like fifteen to twenty five dollars go down to you know five dollars and you know four dollars, six dollars. I don't know. You see all these. You're going to see some. The prices are going to basically balance out more or less, or we're going to see a decrease in my opinion. I just can't see people buying that many dual lands, whereas I can see a lot more people selling dual lands that aren't using them for play if the price gets too high. Right, exactly. They don't really have any use for them, you know, but we'll see. We'll see. (laughs) Alright, gents, do you want to uh, get into scoops? 
Yeah, I gotta get to bed. <laughs> <laughs> well, guests first. Seven, anyone you want to? Oh, oh well, yeah. one thing before I guess we go to Scoops. Yeah, no, go for it. The tournament. Um, yeah, Adrian. Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> you kids, oh my god! You kids. Also, oh, no, just in general, no. anyone, if you have events that you want to promote, you want to get the word out, send them to me. Don't send them to Grandpa Adrian. He'll tell you to get off his lawn. <laughs> but send them to me, and I'll throw them up. We have the uh, also a reminder for other people. Yeah, Jerry will throw them up. And Good I'll job. Them uh, but. We have on, on the Facebook group, we have a, a growing post of both weekly magic events and upcoming major events. So if you're looking for events in your area, you know, and you don't really have another place to check it out, you know, give it a look, see if anyone looks at, looks good to for, you. Or even if you're looking for players yeah, in your that area. Yeah, So hit me up. And uh, Evan, what, what's uh, the, the event? You want to give us the details? Yeah, so we are doing our second quarterly tournament in Atlanta. The first one was successful. Um, we had 48 players, um, and we're moving into a little higher of a prize pool, um, doing first place for a limited time twister, um, and then second place, doing a choice of either an underground sea or a volcanic island, um, and then third and fourth place, uh, both they get a choice of either Tundra or Tropical Island. Uh, and then 5th through 8th, each get a Force of Will. Um, we're going to be doing this on Sunday, March 13th. Um, starts at 11 a.m. Um, and that's at Gigabytes, uh, and that's in Marietta, Georgia. There will be more information on the Leaving a Legacy podcast group, uh, which you can check out the link there. Um, but it should be live. We're doing vintage the night before on Saturday, which is March uh, 12th at 7 p.m. Um, we have unpowered prizes and powered prizes. If you win with an unpowered deck, you get the vintage prize and an unpowered prize. There's things like Chinese JIT, you know, good cards for unpowered decks. Um, but yeah, we have uh, should be getting 20 or more and. The, be cool to see people travel down for the weekend or travel up. Yeah, awesome stuff. So, yeah, just continuing to grow the scene, and we're streaming that, of course, on Tusk Vision. Hell yeah, get some get some legacy stream fix in. Yeah, and then that play mat, you know, that I posted is cool. Oh, yeah. That's also. Which, <laughs> which you can see on the Facebook group. Yeah, those play, uh, yeah, I mean, I made that play mat, for, I made a play mat for the first one, and it's, it was actually really amazing how many people mentioned that that's why they came to play. Oh. Um, yeah, so it was that's kind of interesting. Awesome. It was interesting as, you know, someone that promotes events, et cetera, to, like, hear that, like, and people being very serious and very passionate about that, um, which pretty much, you know, stepped me in the direction to make a new one. So once again, people are pumped about that. So it's it's sometimes it's just the little things that stack up when you're pushing these events to anyone that's trying to do the same. Yeah, I'm excited. If maybe I'll I'll make it down one of these days. I'm thinking about just quitting my job, being a bum for a while, we'll ride the rails. <laughs> yeah, man. Train hop. Welcome to Atlanta. <laughs> well, there's actually yeah. there's actually a really great book about being uh, a hobo. Being a, a hobo called uh, Rolling yeah. Nowhere. What, check it out, did, Jared. I'll book. read it. Will it tell me how to be a better magic grinder? Uh, it will not, <laughs> but it will tell you how not to get stabbed. Oh, I mean, that's hobos, that's so. an equally important skill, so I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
All right. Uh, Evan, who you want to scoop in? Yeah, I mean, I would just, I mean, I guess my main scoop in is, like, well, Team Tusk, everyone on Team Tusk, like, the guys I mainly play Magic with, um, they're all good friends and uh, magical comrades. <laughs> I like magical um, comrades. And then, <laughs> yes, and then uh, the Atlanta legacy community is really sick. Like, I feel like we have one of the best scenes. Um, just, uh, there's a lot of personality, uh, a lot of cool people, and people are dedicated to push the format because they enjoy it. Um, so I would shout them out for, for sure. Um, you know, uh, leaving a lot, you know, you guys and your podcast. It's awesome. It's good. There's a voice out there that is consistent, you know, and can kind of touch base. Thanks, man. Yeah. You know, and kind of feed, feed the masses. Um, a lot of the other podcasts are a little more, you know, leisurely. There's a, there's, there's a good amount of them out now, but everyone's kind of on the... There is. I've been, noticing, I've been noticing more of them, but, you know, I mean, at my age, it's the fiber. It, it keeps me consistent. <laughs> yeah. There's a good amount of... There's, there's, uh, I thought we were done with the dad jokes. <laughs> I mean, for the people that are interested in podcasts for Legacy, there's one called Level Up Legacy... Uh, the brainstorm show, um, everyday, talk. everyday uh, journal, which is a really le- good legacy one. Legacy weapon. Uh, legacy weapon is for people that are get, want yep. to get into the, the format. The legacy, um, legacy, yeah. legacy breakfast. Legacy breakfast is, uh, yeah, they touch on like a lot of the, um, kind of like keen decks and also like international, mm-hmm. uh, I, I heard, sort of I heard meta. I heard of one called leaving a legacy, but I don't, no. I don't listen to that. I don't know if anybody listens <laughs> and then to there's, that. Leaving a legacy in Tusk. Hell yeah. Tusk talk. No, I was thinking uh, we should we should try and get together with the other legacy podcasters, see if we can do some crossover weeks. Have some uh Well I, I Oh god. I have talked to uh Jamie uh from the Yeah, Link he's a he's podcast. a cool dude. He was Yeah, he's really nice. Um yeah, he's he's definitely into it, so maybe maybe if Adrian approves <laughs> we'll run it by we'll run it by Grandpa, can first. Jamie come out to play? <laughs> Depends if he yeah. has thralls. <laughs> exactly. I'm playing thralls this it's week. Like, I can't, let's see. What can I fucking... I, I can't even think of shit to compare that to. It's like if Cheers goes on the love yeah. boat. Yeah, those are the, those are the best episodes. When Sabrina the Teenage Witch did the crossover oh, to Boy Meets terrible. World. That was a great segment. God. Oh, there's, there's two other people I want to give a shout out to, which is Zachary Koch, um, who... Is a very strong infect player, uh, well, player in general, plays a lot of different decks. Um, but, uh, he is doing a lot for his community, um, and legacy in general, as far as like tournament support <clears throat> and also training videos for legacy players. Um, it's called Legacy Training Grounds. And then, uh, Lincoln Baxter, who, uh, does a lot of work in Charlotte, um, promoting legacy as well. So kind of trying to keep uh, Bermuda Triangle of legacy players in the Southeast, and those guys are some pivotal dudes that are doing good things, so definitely want to shout them out as well, before I forget. And Greg Kreger, who talked to me from the MTG Finance side to give me the devil's advocate perspective. Nice. That's the end of my shout-outs. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I went off. <laughs> oh, and... <laughs> the cat warriors, the dads. Nice. <laughs> uh, team food court, uh, and team hate bears. 
Anyone else? That's it. <laughs> what about Chitara? Do you want to shout out Chitara? That's kind of cool. You got a lot of teams down yeah. there. Yeah, we do. It's, uh... You guys are kind of structured community-wise. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, and the Shatter Gang Brothers as well. I've actually heard of them. I've heard yeah. of them. Well, Shatter Gang Brothers, uh, that's the guy, he's part of the Shatter Gang Brothers, uh, JP. He was the guy who won gotcha, the classic. That's what it was. Yeah, I, I think... With Goblins. Like, yeah. The Goblin Stompy deck? It wasn't a Stompy, it was, it was oh, just, okay. yeah, it was just like, uh, it was his own, his own variant on Goblins, but yeah, he took it down, uh, JP from the Shatter Gang. Um, so, shout out to him also. Um, but yeah, we have we have an interesting group of uh, people that play Legacy in our area. It's a lot of it's a lot of fun. It's uh, it's a blast, you know. So, yeah. Nice. That's awesome. A little yeah, something special. Maybe, maybe we can form a team. We can get we can get. Yeah, well, first we got yeah, a fucking cool yeah, name now. So. Yeah, all the teams have logos. Jeez, you guys are you guys? Yeah, oh, I saw fuck. the team test shirts at uh, Eternal Extravaganza. You guys blow us out of the water up here in uh, New England. <laughs> <laughs> so organized. Yeah, we go deep. Uh, yeah, we got yeah. We'll have we'll have uh, we'll have uh, men it's, up there uh, in in our new armor. We've actually updated our armor. Um, <laughs> you guys so. are like a motorcycle gang. It's like you got to rep your colors, man. If you don't rep your colors, you're not part of the family. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> is that is that the football culture spilling over? <laughs> we are Marshall. <laughs> we are one. Awesome. All right, we gotta get off our asses, New England. Let's uh, let's get some teams together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I half jokingly started one with some of my friends called Smart is Sexy, and it was because uh, we found like Target was selling just this plain blue T-shirt that all it said is Smart is Sexy, and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, these are my great jerseys. <laughs> oh, all right. What about uh, what about you, Adrian? You got anyone you want to scoop in? Yeah, Evan. Thanks, uh, man. Yeah, and Evan and Andrew, and um, and Lita. It's because it's because she's in the yeah. room, isn't she? <laughs> but she ain't paying attention to me. <laughs> no, she. Uh, we, we got a lot of shit done in the bathroom tonight, which is fucking. And then you grounded the walls. Am I product- right? Am I right? <laughs> well, it's, it's been a wh- it's been a while since we had such a productive night in the bathroom. <laughs> but so yeah, so I'm I'm hopefully gonna get some of this shit all fucking wrapped up so I can actually play in an event again sometime soon. It looks like I'm actually picking up some more cards. Um, so I'm really uh, I really need to fucking play, but. In the meantime, you should go to really... this, uh, this 38 man cap tournament. It's got a pretty. Well, I'm, I'm picking up dredge oh, now. Yeah? yeah, I think I'm. I think I'm picking up a dredge nice. deck, like already uh, completed, and I'm just. Um, so, uh, it'll be like everything, but some trolls, which I can pick up anyway. And uh, I, I can't see. I mean, I've already. I already started putting together most of the pieces for ten fins, so I'm going to have a lot of like redundant mm-hmm. cards. And then, uh, I just don't know which way I'm gonna end up going from there as far as Ten Fins and Burning Reanimator, but, it's, um, yeah, and, and, you know what, fucking, not that anybody is even gonna acknowledge any sort of this shit, but a scoop into my boss. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, when, when you can go to work and actually say something like that, you're pretty fucking lucky, but, he actually, he put together a lot of, um, 
he he put a lot of effort in keeping organized and shit. And as long as we all kind of do what he what we're told, um, it seemed like last year went well. So I'm expecting some sort of a bonus, which will be, yeah, because I really need to get this fucking bathroom done. (laughs) And and like my credit card companies are not forgiving (laughs) me. So I don't know, figure it all out. But so yeah, I'm gonna scoop in my boss. What about you, Pat? Um, you know, I actually did a little writing uh, this week. Oh yeah, I, I did a little I, little I little article. Right. And uh, yeah, thanks. I'll and, do uh, it. I'll do it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna uh, uh, Kate Donnelly, a uh, friend of the podcast. She writes over at uh, Hipsters mm-hmm. of the Coast. Um, she agreed to take a look at it for me. Let me know if it's worth. Uh, uh, pursuing, or if I should just give up on the article. <laughs> There's no so easy her, way to tell this to you. Yeah, like you should just your burn this right now. Are like, throw, if throw, <laughs> throw Pat, your computer. If you had read me that story, I would ask you why you just wasted the oxygen. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I, I, I didn't get a chance to play Magic this weekend, but I had something that I wanted to talk about. So. I wrote a little article. Uh, I don't know if it'll ever see the light of day, but if it does, I will let uh, everyone know here. But until then, I want to scoop her in the top eight for uh, for awesome. helping me out with that. And I guess that's Thanks. it for everybody. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the one that suffers. Just all the people I need to honor. <laughs> um, I got a couple of people. Who do you got, Terry? Uh, so first, scoop in Jeff Good. Got a chance to uh, meet him at the event this weekend. Uh, Celso introduced us, so he was a cool guy. And it was it's it's always funny when you put like a face on someone that you've only interacted with on Twitter before, um, like someone that you know through the community but you've never actually met in real life. <laughs> <laughs> like when's the last time I saw Jeff? Yeah, like event? that's that's true. I haven't seen either of you guys in real <laughs> life in like months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like Pat Dodge this weekend too. Uh, I heard uh, Pat. Pat, you went on uh, Jeff's podcast this week, didn't you? Yeah, I actually recorded uh, Monday Night with Celso and, uh, nice. and Jeff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, apparently you guys were just shitting on me. So thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> that may or may not have gone on. Yes. But uh, yeah, it was cool. It was cool meeting Jeff in person. Um, also, shout out to uh, you know. Blake's, Blake Sanford, Curtis Wyman from, uh, you know, Enchantress Player, Ben Gardner. Uh, they all made top eight of this, uh, uh, the Eternal Extravaganza 5K I was at. And then also, uh, poor Zach, Mog Catcher Zach, uh, got bubbled out in ninth place. But, yeah. Oh, wow. Did we, was he bubbled out with Yeah, Mod with Mog Catcher. Is that, is that the guy that I played against that, uh, yeah, and, uh, yeah. The, uh, it's like yep. red, white, stompy with mod catchers and Kiki. G. Yeah, he's a he's a cool guy. Isn't yeah, neat, neat so dad. congrats to all of them. That's really strong finishes on all of them. Oh, also Ely Cassis came in sixth at that event as well. Um, and oh yeah, I, uh, we never even got to this. Other, we'll have to save it for next week, Pat. But uh, <laughs> I talked oh, okay. I talked to Ely Cassis right. about the deck because last episode we were talking about his uh, blue red list. Was he on the list again for that? For yeah, it was completely again? different. It was oh, it was no. completely different. Like he he literally oh, looked okay. at it and you're just like, yeah, this this deck was a mistake. I don't know how I top aided that SCG. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's just really good. good. But yeah, he made he made a bunch of changes to it, and uh, I was talking to him for uh, for a bit about it, and he he shed some some insight. So always cool talking oh, to him. Man. Don't you forget about any of that stuff he said. Uh, I just went on a drug binge in the desert, Pat. I, I... <laughs> Your precious, precious brain, Jerry. 
all those juices locked inside. Uh, so yeah, shout out to our scoop into top eight to all of them. Um, and awesome. also just fans in general. Thanks guys. Yeah. Hey, you guys are awesome. Hey, That's my no, no. What the hell? Why do you steal my line? <laughs> God, that's, that's like Willis saying, "What you talking about, Gary? No one cares. No one cares what Gary's talking about. They want to know what Willis is talking about." Arnold. Arnold. That's what it was. All right, guys. Lay that with something sweet. You can email us at leavingalegacymtg at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at MathematicTrickster, at JMM3RD, or at Tadyuglo. Thanks for listening. Remember, play fast, not loose. Exco, give it to you. Fuck way for you to get it on your own. Exco, deliver to you. Knock, knock, open up the door to spread. Let the non-stop pop out and stainless steel. Go hard getting busy with it. But I got such a good heart that I make the motherfucker wonder if you get it. Damn right, and I do it again. Cause I am like so I got to win. Break bread with the enemy. No matter how many cats I break bread with, I break who you sending me. You motherfuckers never wanna know but your life saved. Bitch, and that's on a life day. I'm getting down, down. Like a nigga said, freeze. But won't be the one ending up on his knees, bitch, please. Cause the only thing you cats did was came out to play. Stay out my way, motherfucker. Yeah.